Welcome to the Monday Night Scores, the wrestling podcast covering the epic battle for rating supremacy between WWF Raw and WCW Monday Nitro. We relive the war, skirmish by skirmish, to decide which show we think should have won the fight for viewing figures that week. We then reveal which show actually did take the gold in the Nielsen ratings, using our hallowed golden envelope. But we'll start by introducing ourselves. I'm one of your hosts, my name is Steve, and I'm joined, as I usually am, by Jim. How are you doing, Jim? Hey, well, I've just about just about stopped seeing that uh, WCW's unjust defeat in the in the Nielsen ratings <laughs> last week, and yeah, criminal, I'm, uh, wasn't it? I'm just about ready to to get going again. See if they I can, bet. See if they can get a much needed win on the board. Absolutely right. Well, the scores on the Monday Night Doors are 3-1 to Raw after that shock victory for Vinnie Mac's outfit. Uh, Let's see if Monday Nitro can claw one back this week. And as ever, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at TMNScores. That's at TMNScores. All right, Jim, keep your air on. I'm about to place you in history with some, hopefully more noteworthy than last week, cultural reference points just like you like. Phew. Let's set the scene. The date is the 23rd of October 1995. This week, Def Leppard entered the Guinness Book of World Records. How? Well, they played three gigs on three continents in the same day. Do you want to have a guess with it? No, I'll tell you. One was in Tangier, Morocco. The second was in London, England. The third was in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. In one day? Fuck me, that is pretty impressive. Very good goal. Might be the best cultural reference point we've had. (laughs) <laughs> it's, it's a low bar I'm genuinely impressed with that one <laughs> <laughs> uh, well in other news Jim Get Shorty topped the US box office grossing nearly 13 million in the process and Simply Red's Fairground kicked off its fourth and final week atop the UK charts after clocking up 578,000 sales in that time right now we know what we're headbanging to across continents what we're watching at the movies and what our parents are singing along to in their cars on their commutes let's see how raw and nitro are going to compete with that lot there'll be large men with clear circulation problems on floating throne recliners actual honest to goodness women's title match headliners but no scott steiners let's get cracking <laughs> Hang on a second, Jim. I, Eric Bischoff, understand that we have a special announcement from the Spanish announce table. We do. We go live to our not-so-Spanish colleague for a PPV rundown of In Your House. Liam, welcome to the Monday Night Score Zone. Hello. What did we miss? What happened? Well, um, I've had to I've had to have a little bit of a, a cool-down period after it, to be honest, because... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's, it's promised so much. <laughs> And anyway, anyway, we'll go through it. We'll see. We'll go see on. what the uh, we'll see what you make of it. So, we're at the Winnipeg Arena, Winnipeg, Canada. Very We've nice. got ten matches on the In Your House card, four of which are dark matches, and mm. we're met with Gorilla Monsoon as the opener. Lovely. And, and he's got a, a, a bit of surprising news, to be honest, because <laughs> <Does he? laughs> Shawn Michaels, the Intercontinental Champion, isn't going to be wrestling tonight. What? HBK. HBK. The apple of Vince's eye. Correct. He's not going to be here. No, no. He uh, apparently from from the the beating he uh, received a couple of weeks before. He's he's not eligible to to fight tonight. Ah, oh, he's not been cleared. Not been cleared. Been cleared. Yeah, not <sighs> been cleared. Not been cleared. Um, Shit house. So. <laughs> Shit house. <laughs> well, 
Well, I feel sorry for the, the you know the hundreds of HBK fans that have piled into this arena, <laughs> shelled out hard, and, and they'll be heading to the exit straight away. I think. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Gavilla Monsoon, he, he's lined up a replacement though. He, he's oh, lined well. up. There's still going to be a match for the Intercontinental Title. Well, so he's so he's, he's had to forfeit the title. The he's had to, yeah, he's he's going to have Jeez. to relinquish the title uh, <sighs> at in your house to none other than Dean Douglas. <laughs> the Dean, oh, that was no. a stung. And yeah. Which I was, I mean, I already have a, a strong dislike for Dean Douglas. <laughs> like he's, it's, it's an awful gimmick, and he's just been handed this title. Um, that's awful. But yeah, that, 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 that's gonna that's gonna gonna go down on the uh, on the card tonight. And Jeez. Dean Douglas, he's gonna be uh, putting the title on the line straight away <laughs> against uh, Razor Ramon. So bloody hell! Well, so that was history, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was I, I, it was a bit of, a bit of a, a, a shocking start to the to the in your house. I, I had to uh, go, had to go and take a walk outside. <laughs> Couldn't handle it straight away. HBK fan, right? I cheered him for HBK. Disappointed. But anyway, we go from that and uh, the curtain raiser we've got. Yeah, go on. Hunter Hurst Helmsley against yeah. Fatu. Oh, nice! So I was good matchup. Look, yeah, looking forward to this. Yeah. I, obviously, from watching wrestling further down the line, these two obviously go on to, to yeah. bigger and better things. Um, but as as you've commented on on, on the last couple of uh, on the last couple of pods, Hunter Hurst his, his commitment to the character again is flawless. You know, he's carrying yeah. some kind of perfume instruments on the way down, <laughs> which he's just spraying everywhere he can. So <laughs> good lad. He likes to smell nice. Jerry Lawler's made up with this. <laughs> he's absolutely made up with this. He's, he's already he's already stating that Fatu stinks and he, his house stinks. So his you know, house. yeah. For, for some reason, his house gets a mention. Like like Je- <laughs> like, like Lawler's around there, like whenever he can. But yeah. yeah. So so he's happy. He's brought he's, he's brought the fragrance down. But um, <laughs> but yeah, I was I was quite happy with this as a as a curtain raiser. Um, but yeah, it was good good match. Ebbed and flowed. You know, technically very good. Um, uh, Fatu, I mean, he's three hundred pounds plus, and he, you know he's he is actually good at selling. You know the majority of the moves he's, he he goes across. And I'm going to go back to that later on in terms of oh. big guys who can sell, oh, because nice. uh, as you'll find out later on, that doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, you know, technically very good. You know, the crowd are, are loving it. You know, straight. Oh, nice. uh, yeah. One thing I was really happy about as well was obviously the fact that Fatu, who obviously goes on to become Rikishi in the next yeah. character kind of arc. Uh, he's wearing trousers, so I was I was made up at that. There's a, a generation of a generation of children that have been saved from a, a massive oversized thong. So that was another good bonus. But uh, but yeah, good, really good storyline. Like the psychology in the ring was really good. Um, yeah, exactly. Super kick from Fatu later on. Um, it looked, looked brutal, absolutely brutal. Uh, Triple H sells it really, really good. Um, hits the pedigree. Again, the pedigree, it still looks a bit a bit raw at the moment. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it cool. hits the pedigree and uh, Triple H is the winner. And from that, we get we get a, we get a Lawler interview straight away with Triple H. All right, um, In the ring? Uh, just, just outside the ring. Uh, right, and so. he's asking about the, the stench again of Fatu. <laughs> oh, you know. God. Do, do, I don't know what Fatu's done to deserve this at all, but... <laughs> You know, he's asking him if it, if it, if it, you know, if the smell bothered him during the, the match. <laughs> Jesus um, Christ! So uh, yeah, I thought that was a good opener to the good opener to the to the the pay per view. Yeah, um, cracking. And like, yeah, probably one of the out of the whole card, one of the one of the top matches I reckon. So Great. yeah, enjoyed it. No, I'm um, surprised with those two. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, and then we went on to uh, match two. We had the smoking guns. 
Great. Uh, tag champs putting the titles on the line against Razor Ramon and the one two free kid. <laughs> right. Yeah, what a night it is. Busy night for Razor. So walked away with a lot of gold there. <laughs> so so basically we've got Razor Ramon. He's fighting for two titles. Fucking hell. And then you've got to look at the fact that his tag team partner is someone he's he's been having countless matches yeah. with over the last month. Yeah. Um, and we cut to them and they're, they're very synchronised. The colours are matching. They're high-fiving. You know, they're very pally. And there's zero explanation of what has gone on in the two weeks since since the last part of the, uh, the feud. Yeah, I was just going to um, say it was like two weeks ago when uh, Razor was kind of like, he, he almost beat uh, the kid to some kind of, uh, you know, Almost beat him to death in that, that, that <laughs> yeah. best out of the five, the famous best out of five series, yeah. slapping him around when he was like almost knocked out and stuff. <laughs> and now, synced oh, yeah. up, synced, synced to tie it. Yeah, they yeah. mean the same tailors. But uh, purple and yellow outfits galore that the bugger oh, ball for them. Man. But yeah, I, I thought like straight away I, I went back to the point you made, Jim, the other week about you know the best of five kind of series. But I don't know, um, it was it was bizarre. Yeah, there's no there was no like cutback. There was no like. Um, you know, there should have been a build-up. Really, shouldn't they? like one of them yeah, going into yeah. a match into some explanation kind of, would have been yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. It was, especially into a title match. I mean, bloody hell. <laughs> so yeah, so I mean, hopefully it's a it's a short match because Riz Ramon's straight on after. So we'll, we'll see. How <laughs> <it goes. laughs> but uh, yeah, with, with, with the four guys you've got as well, like uh, again another another match. You know, I was really looking forward to. You know, yeah, love yeah, the smoking cracking. guns. Yeah, Razor Ramon, even as a youngster, massive fan of Razor Ramon. Yeah. One, two, three, kid, take him, take him. Actually, I mean, he's. <laughs> He's average, isn't he? Um, <laughs> oh, I like I like one, two, three. I mean, uh, I terrible character, but in the ring, I'm a big fan. But no, fair enough. What I did find interesting though was when 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 being announced. Yeah. Uh, the announcer said that that, that Razor Ramon and the one, two, three kid had a combined weight of five hundred and one pounds. So out of that five hundred and one pounds, I just want to know what the one, two, three kid is is putting towards that because <laughs> it can't be it can't be more than thirty one of those five hundred one. <laughs> And Razor looks fantastic <laughs> for a £470 man, so £501 apparently collectively, but uh, yeah. Unbelievable. But yeah, we're straight into straight into the action. Um yeah, and as you as as you would expect, we've with Razor having another fight on the on the on the card, he's the, the exchanges are happening you know, every every minute or so. The the comms pick it up straight away. Yeah. Um, the amount of exchange, which makes sense, obviously if yeah. if Razor's just been, you know, handed this title shot, he's gonna try and conserve his energy, isn't he? Yeah, um, exactly. We, we we cut to a Dean Douglas promo in the back, taking notes, laughing away. I don't He's know always what, taking uh, notes. Yeah, well, I mean, at the time, Razor was like clotheslining someone, so I don't know. I don't know what he's laughing at, though. So unless he's got a he's got a, a basic counter, everyone will already know to a to a clothesline. But yeah, uh, we're back in. We're back into the ring. Um, and as I said, again, the athleticism, especially for the for Bart and Billy, they're quite they're quite you know big guys anyway, aren't they? Yeah, um, they are. Yeah, Billy yeah, Ridge, really, very very impressive. Yeah, absolutely impressive. Halfway through the match, we uh, we we get another exchange. Um, Bart Bart's been in, in the in the match for a long time. He's obviously mm. getting he's getting tired here. Um, and then all of a sudden, we get we get a choke slam from Razor Ramon. It's kind of like a choke slam merged with like a sidewalk slam kind of thing. It, it was right. weird. It was weird. I don't know why he just doesn't it his finisher, but um <laughs> Which yeah, is surely in the match. We then get obviously all there's a time when all four are going into it and then you lose you lose track of who's who's the um Yeah, the legal man. The legal man at the at the time. Yeah. Um 
we've had a, a really good match here. You know, Bart's yeah. been isolated for the majority of it. Billy comes in, huge pop from the crowd. Can, nice. Even though like you've you've got potentially obviously four four faces in here, haven't you? Really, yeah, um, so it, it, yeah. it is quite good. Obviously, when when the tag champs come back in, um, Billy's you know he's he's working he's working one two three kid over. Uh, goes to hit like kind of like a running splash kind of thing. Misses, hits like the metal pole in the corner. Um, that leads one, two, three tagging razor back in. Hits the razor's edge, and then instead of going for the pinfall, the one, two, three kid wants another tag. God. So he's an idiot, and he's always fucking yeah, these yeah, things. Yeah, I don't, right? I didn't get it at all. <laughs> I just finished the finish the match. though razor's got another fight in about half an hour. Yeah, exactly. Mean? Yeah. So Fuck Razor it, tags man. him back in, and instead of doing <laughs> against his better judgment, yeah, <laughs> instead of doing the smart thing, which would be to, to to maybe do a splash or something or a leg drop, he just goes straight into the cover. And as we know that you know one two three kid weighs the, you know the same as a bag of sugar, he gets reversed <laughs> straight away, and then Billy gets the one two three count. So the, the the smoking guns retain the tag titles. Wow, the champs have to stay one. Yeah, what and yeah, blimey, what a what a. Bizarre bit of booking that. And then the thing is, the, sh- the shenanigans don't end though, to be honest. <laughs> so, what we get then is a clearly upset one, two, three kid trying to steal the tag titles. No. What, so, literally, literally yeah, the belts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we've, got, we've got Bart and Billy, you know, showing the belts <laughs> off to the crowd. <laughs> one, two, three kid goes up to Bart from behind, snatches the, the belt out of his hands. Fucking hell. Which leads uh, Razor to come back into the ring, like go over to him, like he's like his mum or something. Snatch, <laughs> snatch the, the titles back off him, like give him a look, like just says, "What are you doing?" Like Jesus you know, we, we lost Christ. because of you. Um, <laughs> hands the titles back over, and then uh, yeah, then, then the, the the exit. Then, um, but yeah, a bizarre ending. Um, that is bizarre ending into the the fight, and then a bizarre ending to, to what should have been just you know easy, just get out, get out of the way. Yeah. And Razor Every time get back he's involved, the segment always kind of ends with, like, why? Why? Why, yeah. is it, why are you doing that? What are you yeah, doing that was, for? Yeah. It was confusing. Uh, uh, yeah. Crazy. I was very confused for the majority of that. Um, and then we go to Del Boy, uh, Doc Hendricks, <laughs> for his yeah. first plug of the night. Oh, no. And Has he's he trying. We bought the pay per view. We bought the pay per view. <laughs> oh, well, he's got, he's got, he's got something, something new up his sleeve here. <laughs> so, so, so now he, he, he's trying to flog. Some some life size cardboard cutouts oh, of Brett the Hitman Hart <laughs> and Shawn Michaels. So, oh my god! The way he's trying to, to trying to get the viewers to to, to to ring in and purchase these is that kids, you can be lying in bed and have Brett Hart watch over you. <laughs> right. If you have any, if any intruders breaking breaking into your house, that's not a safety blanket having your cardboard cutout, though, is it? <laughs> And then he, go, he, go, he, go, he goes on to Shawn Michaels. He tries to sp- he tries to spin the, the female angle, and he's like, oh, "Lady, ladies, you'd love to have a a, a life size cutout of Shawn Michaels in the house twenty four seven. So why can you imagine? I, I don't know. I don't know what he's trying to. I don't know what he's trying to insinuate there. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, you know, the, the, these are on, alongside the classic tape as well. That's that's on offer as well. Yeah, so. How many of these tapes has he got? Has he got a garage? Did he buy them in bulk? And he's, he's never sold one. He's never sold yeah. one. It's yeah. the original one. Uh, I, don't, I don't think he's going to sell any of these uh, cardboard cutouts uh, no. by the sounds oh, of it either. Surely not. But yeah, a, a bizarre plug for these, for these cardboard cutouts. Anyway, we, uh, we cut back and then we've got the next fight on the card. We've got Goldust and 
Jim, your favourite wrestler, Marty Gennetti. Go yeah, on, Marty. He goes. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think this is this is Goldust's debut, isn't it? Yeah, yes. yeah. This is Long awaited. Uh, Long awaited. Again, it, I'm really like looking forward to just seeing like the origin of, of yeah. this character because obviously I did find him hilarious when when <laughs> obviously going for the attitude here and things like that. Yeah, um, How was it? Well, we we start, but we we know we know Goldust. His nickname's the bizarre one, isn't it? Oh yeah, Vince says it a lot. His favorite. Favorite so we, word so, we, so we've, got the, we've got the bizarre one, yet his costume isn't the most bizarre in this fight, by the way. Because <laughs> I've just got to, I've, I've got to bring this up because Marty Janetti looks like a cross between a melted candle and, and or either someone's chucked a firecracker in his gym bag and he's and it's exploded because it's, it's just I mean it, uh, we usually get the tassels but this is just absolutely heinous what he's come no, out with what's that wrong with it is that what you're saying come on it's a hybrid so we've got a hybrid of a melted taste. candle and the aftermath of a firecracker in a gym bag that's all I can describe it as this is another good contest as well to be honest crowd are loving it all the way through um, oh, Goldust generates loads of loads of heat. Crowd are booing him straight off. A little bit sluggish towards the end. The finisher. I was looking forward to seeing maybe some version of the curtain calls or something yeah, like yeah. that. Um, Shattered dreams. Some kind of like inverted suplex. It was rubbish. It didn't, I don't think right. it was. I don't think really? it was. Yeah. Vertical didn't suplex. Need dropped him forwards. Dropped him. Yeah. It's, yeah. All right. Yeah. I thought the finisher could have been a little bit better if you if you you know debuting a new a new you know character with all this you know mystique around him. I don't know. I thought it would have thought, a little bit better. Uh, would have thought a bit more would have been required to put Mario yeah. away as well. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah but apparently the, the inverted suplex was, was good enough to uh, to get him the victory. So Goldust on debut wow. picks up picks, picks up, up the victory. Yeah, against um, Jim's favourite wrestler. Yeah, disappointing, disappointing to see. <laughs> and then we, I've got to mention this. This is this again. This is terrible. Uh, so for the pay per view once yeah. once the, the matches have finished they, they've got the wrestlers on some kind of like superstar helpline um, <laughs> oh that, that the, the viewers can ring in and by the looks of it you can literally just ask them anything because at one point JR <laughs> and King they're encouraging people to ring in um, and find out about like Shawn Michaels and things like that so there's no no age Shocking. no no age restriction on this. Just literally, if you want to ring in, make sure you, you've asked your parents' permission. But yeah, you're good to go. So they, they cut to the one two three kid who's clearly still upset. So all I can imagine <laughs> is just like an eight year old somewhere in America just saying to him like, "What were you doing there?" <laughs> even even the eight year old, I think, <laughs> you're the same age as me and you've let me down. But yeah, I thought that was bizarre. Like a superstar helpline. Yeah, I think it's a bit weird. bit cheap, isn't it? Um, isn't it just? But anyway, next next match up we have King Mabel and Yoko uh, Yoko oh, Zuna. Right, this was um, <laughs> oh, well, 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 first of all, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but th- these two fellas beat up the Undertaker, didn't they? Yeah, like, like crushed his face. Yeah. So, so why would you put them both together? Like, they clearly get on, don't they? Yeah, like, they, they, yeah, they, yeah they were working together. Like the They're last fight, they could have picked exactly. someone else, couldn't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I didn't get that anyway, so I thought that was a bit bizarre. Anyway, so we we, we met with King Mabel being carried into you know the <laughs> Those ring. Poor souls. Um, the lads were doing I'd... that bit that was really good when they were carrying him last time. They, they were doing that bit where they were like grimacing and being like, "Oh fucking hell, this is <laughs> oh, the yeah. hardest job ever." But <laughs> it was a bit lopsided, wasn't it? They, 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 they hadn't, you know, in terms of the the strength kind of thing, they hadn't, they hadn't balanced it out a little bit because I think it was the one side it was definitely dipping at one point. Was, <laughs> the two lads are struggling. They hadn't thought that out a little bit. They weren't selling it as well, I thought. But yeah, you're right. It definitely was. It was. Uh, it was danger of teetering over the yeah. big man. Well, Anyway, I, may, I remember you mentioning, uh, Jim, how like slow it was, the entrance. So I, I thought I'd time this entrance. Oh, yeah. Um, so 
the duration of Mabel getting into the ring and Yokozuna getting into the ring and actually starting to wrestle was only one minute less than the duration of the fight. No so way. It took them four minutes to get into the, arena, into the ring to fight and the match was five minutes long. That's I mean, ludicrous. Uh, and as you can expect, ludicrous. the tempo was abysmal. It was... <laughs> We had, I, I, I can count on one hand the the range of like wrestling manoeuvres that we had. We had Fucking punches, hell. a couple yeah. of Irish whips, uh, a clothesline. <laughs> Someone had fall out the rink. They'd have a breather. They'd Slowly. come back in and they repeat that that order again. It was Fucking absolutely hell. atrocious. And as I mentioned before, Fatu like earlier on, big guy, yeah. but at least he's got some like t- technical ability as well. Yeah. This was absolutely shocking. It was so bad. Um, about a bit. And anyway. Where, um, uh, Yoko fell on uh, Jim Cornette outside. Oh, what squashed him? Fell, fell on top yeah. of Cornette. There was like a bit where Yoko, he, was, he, he was like dazed. And he was like wobbling around outside one, after one of the many fall out the ring spots, and he yeah. was like wobbling, pretending to be a bit like uh, light on his feet. And then Cornette had been knocked over by the other bloke who hangs about with Mabel Moore, Sir Moore. Yes, Sir Moore. Yeah, Cornette's right. on the floor on right. the ring on the concrete outside, and then um, Yoko kind of trips and like whoa, 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 whoa and then and then falls on him. <laughs> And Corny's doing like kicking the legs, waving the arms. <laughs> yeah, Cornet does his best to save it, doesn't he? Does yeah. it all he can, yeah, all he can. He even agrees to take the bump off the six hundred pounder or everything. <laughs> yeah. Just for the sake of giving some credibility to this fucking yeah. absolute train wreck. We get a double count out. That, that that's that, that that's yeah. how that's how this match ends. That was the finish. We Peaceful. get a double count out. Jeez. Um so it was a five-minute match that led to a double count. They were that knackered after five minutes. <laughs> they couldn't even get back they in the ring. They couldn't both get back into the ring on time. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we're left wow. with both wrestlers. They do eventually get back into the ring. They both square up and then embrace. So kind of going back to the original <laughs> okay. point of why the hell are we putting these two together? <laughs> why are we wasting pay-per-view time with these two people who clearly like each other and they're clearly eager to work together? Anyway, that was shambles. Absolutely. Vince is the only person in there who likes uh, has to be two big yeah. giant blokes in has the ring at the same time. He's the only person in the whole fucking world who wants to see this shit. Yeah, is it all the fucking time? It's shocking, absolutely shocking. You I could mean, just you, you you could just feel the energy like just be sucked out of the arena. Like, yeah. like oh god, we've got to sit through these two bisons. I could have made a sandwich in that entrance <laughs> time. Definitely, <laughs> I could comfortably made a sandwich and sat back down. And I think Yokozuna would maybe just enter in the ring. <laughs> just a waste of time isn't it it's just an absolute waste of time <laughs> anyway uh, we cut back uh, to the ring and uh, Doc Hendricks is, is in the ring we don't think we've seen enough we haven't seen enough of Doc today I don't think <laughs> um, but yeah he's um, he, he's calling Shaw Michaels out Shaw Michaels is uh, having to hand the Intercontinental title over right. um, Sean enters clearly still battered and bruised from you know whatever's gone on we, we, there's so many different versions of that tale um, yeah but he's he's you know sporting a couple of black eyes. He's right. he's blood, his eyes are bloodshot kind of thing. So he's definitely he's he's, he's taking a beating. Yeah. Um, and no doubt it's probably it's probably him who started it. To be to be honest, <laughs> let's be fair. Um, but yeah, he comes down. He's looking really sorry for himself. Hands. I mean, it takes an age for him to hand the the, the belt over. He's just right. at one point he's just reaching out with the belt just for like a, a minute or so. Um, Anyway, Douglas comes down, Dean Douglas enters, grabs the title, obviously starts parading that off, and yeah. then we get uh, Razor, obviously, entering. Love Razor Ramon's entrance, they brilliant. Yeah, yeah. 
brings back a lot of good memories. You know, I used to I used to want the the, the, the razor mullet as a pup. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> I know we've we've we, we made we, we made reference to some hairstyles and some uh, some facial hers on the uh, on the podcast so far, but I was a fan of I was a fan of razors razors slick look yeah that's a big quality. But how old was you about eight? Uh, seven? I'd say eight, yeah, seven, eight. You look quality then. Rocking rocking the two the toothpick and the uh, the greasy bullets. Seven year old rocking that. I think, I think you can pull it off then and now, Liam. Um, so we we got we get to the match. The thing is with with, with Dean Douglas, I can't. I can't bring myself to to enjoy one of these matches. It was, no, I know. I do you know what I mean? Too. I just don't. I since it, since the whole thing started, it's just like so annoying. The interruptions, his costume, yeah. his mic skills—it's yeah. just yeah. diabolical, isn't it? So <laughs> the note taking, the incessant note taking, yeah. as all teachers don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just observing. Lesson up, yeah. lesson ops. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we it's it's an okay match, you know. You know, Razors, you, you know what you're going to get from Razors. Like yeah, technically, yeah. very good again. Why hand the title to Douglas as opposed to the winner of this? You know, it's a vacant title, and the winner of this match is the champ. Like I don't understand why why give it to Douglas to then take it away from him straight away. What's the what's the point of that? That would have made it a bit better, wouldn't it? If they did it that way, and they had the, the the kind of screwy finish, and it was a number one contenders match. So then, yeah. Razor wins it. There's a screwy finish. Then they can have another. They can build, exactly. they can build up the, the next full one. Thing, you didn't really do it. That way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was just. Yeah, it was. Uh, I didn't. I didn't like it. The ending was just confusing, and yeah, yeah, it was rubbish. Um, and then we go to the we go to the back, and we've got Doc Hendricks again. Um, <laughs> Doc Hendricks again. Yeah, so he's yeah. cash tonight, isn't he? Unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, he's got the biggest he's, he's literally only, <laughs> yeah, he's only just left the ring, um, but he's, 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 he's quite, it. quite bizarrely, he's he's trying to flog a t-shirt right before the uh, the title match. Diesel's Diesel's in the background, ready to go out. He's showing you the <laughs> the two dudes with attitude t-shirt. Oh my god! And he's got special he, writing on the back. Yeah, he always like hang on, hang on. Special turns around, just literally just says two dudes with attitude in Comic Sans or something. I don't know. <laughs> Um, and then he's, he tries to get a quick word with Diesel. You know, he's, he's asking, how, "Are you feeling? Are you ready for this?" And we get we get a statement from Diesel saying, "I'm feeling awfully funky." So, fucking, I, I, hate I don't Diesel. know. I don't know what he's been smoking backstage, maybe. But um, how are these? You like? I know. I, I, <laughs> how is this the fucking epitome of cool? These two lads, like, awfully no, funky. Fuck. And to be fair, that kind of that, that kind of set that kind of set the uh, the tone then for this match. So we've, oh, we've, no. we've got Diesel obviously defending the uh, the WWF title against the British Bulldog. Uh, the British Bulldogs obviously had to to wait for a long time with this. We we got that message, yeah. you know, over the past couple of weeks yeah, since um, Wembley two years ago. <laughs> yeah, as we've been, been reminded many many times, <laughs> uh, it was th- this was the longest match on the card as well. This was like just short of twenty minutes. This fight. No, oh, blimey. That's, um, a, that's a long time. It was so it was so lethargic. It was so slow. Um, Bulldog, he, he go him and Cornette. The 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 uh, managed to to obviously Cornette distracts Diesel and then Bulldog goes for the uh, the, the chop block on on the back of the leg and that's it. Then right, he just work, yeah. he works on the leg then for an, an eternity, like fifteen <laughs> minutes working on his leg God. continuously. Um, oh, I forgot to mention Brett Hart, Brett Hart comes down and comes. All right. Uh, okay. Before we get to the match, sorry, I forgot to that. Uh, right. he, ch- he, uh, he, he chases away Jerry Lawler, obviously after <laughs> after last week with the right. cage. Yes, going to say uh, Isaac Yankum, uh, <laughs> King Scarpers straight away. Um, <laughs> so we've got Brett on comms. Um, right. Okay. 
and to be fair, I, I was I, Bret Hart was probably my favourite wrestler as a as a youngster, and I, I can't I can't remember him being this dull. <laughs> he's so dull. He just chips in every like two minutes with like, yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah, he's good. Oh, yeah, he's come on, man. For some reason, uh, the bulldog puts the sharpshooter on Diesel. Don't know why that's happening. We've had the choke slam from Ramon earlier on now. I mean, a sharpshooter from from Bulldog. And what I did like about this, though, Brett Hart pulls this up straight away because it looks terrible. It look, it literally looks <laughs> like he just sat on the back of him. Um, and Brett, Brett straight away says, you should learn how to put that on first, Bulldog. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I sat there and was like, if you're going to do it, if you're going to try and taunt someone who's sat at the side, at least do it correctly because it looks terrible. You're just sitting on him. Continues that. Diesel, uh, as you say, as a, as a title holder, there's nothing from him. It's just so slow. I got really bored, uh, as I said, for this duration. And I, don't, if, I, I looked back at the last pay-per-view, which, you know, when the, all the titles are on the line. Yeah. yeah and yeah. even that match was far shorter than this. You know, and you had more people. It was sh- you yeah. could just tell. It was just, no, there was no pop re- really from the fans. They were just losing interest. Um, and anyway, towards the end, we get we get um, Bulldog for some reason. He goes over to, to Hart, pushes him in the face. Don't know why. He literally was literally sat there just just watching the the, the fight. So Bret Hart gets involved. So, he's, so, he's, so he sat at the commentary table and Bulldog just pushes him in the face. After twenty yeah. minutes of wrestling, Bulldog's been distracted to the point where yeah. he's got to go over and then attack Bret Hart. And you've got to remember, Bulldog's been he's been banging on about how long he's been waiting for this title shot. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Don't don't provoke anyone that might disrupt that. <laughs> but anyway, he pushes him oh, in the face. Yeah, Bret yeah. gets involved. Um, hits Bulldog and then the referee calls for the disqualification so we cut from that so obviously you know it's been disqualified there and then we get Diesel Diesel and Bret Hart they start squaring up they start fighting Every, everyone comes out from the back to split it up and then then we uh, we cut from there so overall wow. overall very confusing yeah, and very disappointing if I'm being honest. Ugh. For the for the first for the first rundown of the pay per view, I was I was left wanting a little bit more. So now we know what happened, and in your house we head to the Keystone Centre in Brandon, Manitoba, Canada for WWF Monday Night Raw, and it's live. We get an in-your-house recap. Vince is no Liam, I'll tell you that much. McMahon then tells us we're going to get an Alundra Blaze versus Bertha Fay women's title match and a 20-man over-the-top row battle royal, the winner of which will get a shot at the Intercontinental title. Blimey, this thing's changing hands faster than I don't know what at the moment. All 20 men of the mass of humanity, as Vince calls them, are already in the ring, and we see the hot rod flamed spandex and tattooed head of Bam Bam Bigelow making his debut on the Monday Night Scores. He's in there with a selection of wrestlers I absolutely do not recognise, but we pan right and reveal Skip, the 123 Kid, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, Kammer, and Fatu, who's coolly sitting on the top of the turnbuckle. Good, I'm up for this now. We get a rundown of the Intercontinental title debacle from In Your House the night before, and Vince is absolutely taking the piss now. He says. We're getting all that and more tonight live on, and at this point, a small but potent microwave is evidently blasted at Vince's throat, directly at his larynx, causing him to say, Monday Night Raw! <laughs> like this, right? It's, it's, it's absurd, right? And that's the last one I'm doing, lads. I'm not doing that again. My vocal, <laughs> my vocal cords will be in tatters. That's the last one, right? That's like, that's like trying to do a Corey Taylor impression, like Circa Iowa. That, that's ludicrous. He's taking the piss. Anyway, the title's hit, and we have a new theme song. 
Gone is the country in Western Cobblers. And here is, well, it's not an especially memorable song just yet, but the lads have definitely been forced into modernising by their competitors from Nitro, and oh, it's all the better for it. Though it reminds me of the New Age Outlaws theme. But they don't exist yet, so let's move on. Oh, all 20 wrestlers weren't in the ring as we see Jim's favourite, Marty Ginetti, sprinting to the ring, luminous tassels and all. Go on, Marty. <laughs> Big nights. Ringside, Vince and Jerry are there for the intros. Oh, Psycho Sid's coming out too. Sid's entrance is fucking slow too. He walks. Let's get on with it. Fuck me. Promo from Sid. It's picture in picture. He's too quiet. I can't hear a word he's saying. Whispers the whole thing, don't they? Completely. Like, I get it. I know he's a psycho. So apparently psychos talk quietly, but, you know, you know, full marks for not having him doing, like, a shouty one like everyone else does, but I can't <laughs> fucking hear what he's saying. So what's the point? Then Jim's favourite wrestler chimes in with a pre-recorded promo of his own and claims he keeps trying to tell us it's like this and it's like that. Good luck defending this, Dross, Jim. Bloody hell, Isaac Yankum DDS wasn't out yet either. And out he comes. Awful music to boot. Finally, the bell goes. And chaos. I picked out, just before we go into the match, I did I did um, take the liberty of picking out some of my favourite of of the, the, the what, what did Vince describe it as? Eh? The mass of humanity. The mass of humanity. Of, of the mass of humanity, I picked yeah. out some of my favourites. Go on, um, favourite mass. So there was the guy in the yellow mummy mask. Never, never, <laughs> yeah. didn't know who he was. no. There was a mechanic in there. He just all blew overalls. <laughs> well, we, I'll get to him, but yes. And then there was a there was, there was like an egg. In, in, he, he was wearing like the giant the giant of uh, WCW. He, he, he had a, he had his gear on. He, <laughs> yeah, he was the one who got eliminated first. Big egg and a, a, a completely hairless man. What? <laughs> what is happening? Who are these people? We could have very easily had a 10-man battle royale here, couldn't we? We could have <laughs> easily could. cut 10 of these out. Oh, comfortably. Mr. Veet is indeed King Kong Bundy, and he's instantly tossed out. I didn't know he was in. Oh, but Owen Hart is here. Fantastic. And he's precariously balanced, completely safely, with absolutely zero danger of being thrown out. Big headbutt from Bam Bam Bigelow to Triple H, who sells it superbly. Brilliant stuff. And, well, my optimism was misplaced. This is dross. The crowd is dead, though they do pop when Bob Holly gets eliminated again. Didn't realise he was here. Duke the Dumpster Drozzy is eliminated. I didn't know he was here. He appears to be a bin man, but I'll be honest, I'm basing that mostly on his name. The action is clunky, loads of confusing and, you know, accidental no-sells, you know, where there's lads who just get hit from behind by someone who's, like, poddled over to them and hit them and they haven't realised, so they haven't sold it, and it was just like, oh, you can't keep track of it. No, it's, it's crap. It's absolute crap. Uh, we see a replay of Fatu being eliminated by Kama with an, with an uppercut, right? Um, and we missed that, but I have no idea how because nothing's happened, right? So oh, we missed it, but we have. Did you see the bit where Vince said, I don't, I don't know if, because um, I think Fatu lasted a bit longer for this guy. Yes. But quite early on, um, Vince says like verbatim, apparently Aldo Montoya has been eliminated. And then it cuts to a replay. Who's Aldo Montoya? I don't know. I don't know. It, then it cuts anyone. to a replay of someone hiring Aldo Montoya <laughs> <Aldo> Mont- <laughs> <laughs> out of the ring. <laughs> so Vince is getting, he's conveying the information to us through hearsay. <laughs> Apparently he's been eliminated. <laughs> oh, there, he go- there he goes. <laughs> hearsay commentary. That's what you need. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, Horowitz eliminates Skip. Skip is furious. We mercifully cut to a break. When we come back, we're down to Yankum, Savio Vega, Sid, Bam Bam, Ginetti, Jim's favourite. Oh, Owen Hart and Jean-Pierre Lafitte, I think. Right? Yeah, I could be wrong. Even Hart and Ginetti going at it is pretty dull, unfortunately. But Marty, Marty, chance start. Every time Owen picks Ginetti up and pretends to throw him out, the crowd and the kids in the crowd... And Jim start chanting. See, I didn't know the audio from uh, my front room would have uh, transcended to this recording. But... 
in there. And it made all the difference because <laughs> he, he didn't manage to get him out at this stage. Vega throws Ginetti over the top and walks away. So he's seen him go down, hasn't checked to make sure he's at the deck. He Idiot. Just, Fucks off. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, right. But Ginetti's there still hanging, right? As if he's going to sort of go, you know, go and skin the cat. But then Vega sort of then looks over and clocks, oh, I haven't eliminated him. So then he walks over and like like you do on like on the SmackDown game, right? you just kick someone, wouldn't you? You just go over there, kick, and oh, they get knocked off, right? No. He goes over and helpfully leans right over, which lets Ginetti do this like skin the cat with his legs up to do a head scissors throw out of the ring. Looks beautiful. Terrible. Then my, <laughs> then my does skin the cat and gets back in the ring. Kicks to the gut by Marty. He grabs Owen's hair and his lower back and tries to throw him out. Owen does the flare running into the corner up and over spot, but against the ropes in the middle. I've not really seen this before. And he sort of grabs the middle rope as he does it, and then the rope sort of rebound. Looked really good. Um, like looked like he was sort of really losing control, and it was crackers, but he was obviously completely in control the entire time. Look great. Don't think I've seen that before. Well done, Owen. Both are up. Marty tries to clothesline Owen out. Nothing doing. Tries again with a short arm clothesline. Over goes Owen, but he's only on the apron and has remained standing as he still had hold of the top rope with both hands, so he's fine. But then rather than kicking him out again, Ginetti does the child having a strop. Oh, come on, spot, because it didn't work. Just daft, mate. Just go and kick him out. Big punch, sorry, Jim. Big punch from Marty. Owen reels, but stays on the apron like the whoa, like cartoon spot. And my again... Ner- my nerves here. <laughs> My nerves are an absolute mess. <laughs> it tatters. Come on, Marty, see him <laughs> off. You can do it. <laughs> he does it again. Owen again. Right back. Cornet outside again, waiting to push him back in. Owen has gone full cartoon now. Like we're talking full Acme stuff. As he's holding onto the middle rope, he's dropped down to that one and goes back almost like horizontally as he goes down with each punch. This looked shit. Like just come on, stop, just stop being so daft, lads. The next haymaker connects and Owen drops to the mat very safely and then skips inside under the bottom rope. Back to his feet and Owen guillotines Ginetti with the rope, then an enziguri, back and forth, and then a let's pretend to be a train spot. As Ginetti grabs Owen for a belly to back suplex, Owen then runs around in a circle dragging Marty with him and dives towards the ropes the momentum of which somehow sends Marty through the top and middle rope to the outside Owen celebrates but Marty didn't go over the top so he's not eliminated bet Jim believed a sigh of relief Cornet interferes with his tennis racket but Ginetti grabs it what are you doing get involved <laughs> grabs it and then chases the Louisville lip round the ring where he is jumped by the incoming British bulldog boom <laughs> Straight into the steps goes Marty's head. Then he's rolled back in where the two lads go at it again until Owen wins by throwing the rope running Ginetti over the top for what was an anticlimactic finish to an anticlimactic match. (laughs) We head to an ad break and we get an advert for the WWF WrestleMania arcade game and it looks fantastic. We head to Doc Hendricks, who's back to Del Boy us some more crap. Here it's we the top go. Guy. It's the top guy in a WWF at the minute, Doc Hendricks. He plugs Survivor Series. We're going to have HBK. It's going to be a twist, though, lads. Honestly, you wait for this. It, we're going to have HBK as a captain, but he's got to team up with Psycho Sid, Bulldog, and the newcomer Ahmed Johnson. That's one team, so it's not all heels versus all faces. And they're going to take on Dean Douglas, the other captain, Yokozuna, Owen Hart, and Razor Ramon. Mental. Ooh. I know. What's going to happen, eh? They call this the, he called it the wild card match, didn't he? But then he didn't actually explain the concept of the wild card match. Yeah, kind of kayfabe breaking as well, isn't it? Because to say it's wild because we're going to pair up the good guys and the bad guys on one team, like uh, it's ludicrous. Yeah, wild card would be like you know, I'm in it. You know, 
Doc, Doc Hendricks is a captain. You know, that's a wild card. On to the next match. The debutante, as Vince tells us, Avatar, who looks a whole hell of a lot like Al Snow, if Al Snow was in Mortal Kombat, with a teal waistcoat and yellow trim, with shoulder extensions and a yin and yang-looking sort of symbol on one side and red pants. Total technical uh, sub-zero. He gets in the ring and then puts his mask on. Whoa, he's esoteric, this lad. Which is, you know, it's a bit of a sort of luchador-esque kind of mask, but, but there's no bit covering the head. So he, like, wraps it around. He then does some Tai Chi. Not explained. We learn he's going to take on generic jobber with blue trunks, black boots, short curly hair and absolutely no entrance music we're going to hear. Brian Walsh, who will no more win this match than I will. Don't you say anything. It's jobber of the month, isn't it? He was the, <laughs> one, who, um, he was the one who was in the, the feet match when Bret Hart rang in. That was he Brian was. Walsh as well. Good, well remembered, Jim. Jobber of the month. He certainly was. So the match starts. This is a bit of a botch fest, to be honest. Avatar dodges a hip toss with a front flip that I think he was supposed to like go all the way over and land on his feet and be like, whoa, look at the athleticism but he sort of doesn't rotate enough and lands on his ass. Walsh's gut kick to the outside that's how you do it lads in the 20 man battle royal as Avatar goes up top and then loses his balance so has to then change tack <laughs> and slingshot himself out using the top rope it was in fairness to him a decent recovery but the damage has already been done Brian's flattened and the crowd could not care less. Then we get a nice standing moonsault, then a bizarre stand on the stomach, then jump into a splash spot from Avatar. What the hell was this? Who then gets the pin. That was his finisher, apparently. After doing crickets so. in the crowd as well. <laughs> oh, they were flat as a pancake. Bit flat all the way fucking through that. Terrible. We get a promo and standing in front of the not-so-titantron is Barry Didinsky who I've never seen before and hope never to again. He's standing in front of the Titantron and he's standing in the middle of two cardboard cutouts, one of HBK and one of Bret Hart. They've brought them over from in your house the night before. I mean, the one thing I would say is that if they had one of Marty Ginetti, they would have at least gotten one sale in this the, oh, in the, over the pond. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. It seems weird. They'd only make two, wouldn't it? Like, <laughs> I know, just these the two. The champ lads. hasn't got one made of him. No, Ramon hasn't got one. Undertaker hasn't got one. Well, give fucking Shawn Michaels a break out. The only two people who got them. Back to the announce table, and Vincent King say, "We'll hear what's on the Heartbreak Kid's mind." King chuckles and grins. Gold dust music hits, followed by a really, really cheesy voiceover. It sounds like someone's plugging an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer to morons. He's like super, like corny American. He's glamorous. <laughs> Exotic, but Ameri- American. Sure, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> and definitely one of a kind. Next week, we'll see Savio Vega take on the WWF's most bizarre superstar in his broadcast premiere. I quite like this. Gold Dust music kicks in. This is class when it drops. It's fucking like the, all the golden bells and stuff. Fucking brilliant. It's immediately punctuated by Bertha Faye's terrible Barry White music. Like Barry White knockoff crap. The lyrics being. Oh, my sweet Bertha Faye, what words can I ever possibly say to keep you here in these loving arms forever? Atrocious. It's shocking. Absolutely atrocious. (laughs) Enter the WWF Women's Champion, Bertha Faye. She's billed at £238 and is accompanied by a manager who holds her hands as she skips to the ring, Harvey Whippleman, who is £138, according to Vince. Her ring attire is black with multicoloured polka dot singlet with frills and feather boas over her neck. She's got two flowers in her hair and is sporting some shades. Her knee pads and, and the, the besuited Harvey Whippleman's tie are also black with polka dots. How is she Haley? She's meant to be the Haley, isn't she? Yeah, she is. But this, why is she all dressed up like a kid's TV presenter? That, Jim, is a very solid yeah. question. Ludicrous. An odd couple they truly are. 
Harvey lives in a trailer, according to King, and he's having a go at him <laughs> as a result, seems mean. He does make out he's a bit of a chick magnet, though, doesn't he? And he, he, does. own, he uses the term chick magnet. That isn't my <laughs> own uh, terminology. That is something King says. <laughs> it's going to be a very tight trailer, that, isn't it? If, if took... no, no rooms for manoeuvres. There's going to be no practising of, of wrestling moves in, in the trailer. Oh, no, we're back to Mongo's 1001 sex positions. Um, <laughs> we get a replay of Faye beating Blaze at SummerSlam as we wait for the arrival of Blaze, who gets Pyro. And more Pyro. She is definitely winning this match. Yeah, she gets a pretty decent pop as well, doesn't she? She does. Crowd go ballistic. She's blonde. Can, can, I, go, can I add yes. something here for a second? Please, Sorry. please do. Um, when we go back to SummerSlam <laughs> and we, we, uh, we, we look at the, the finisher, the powerbomb. Yeah, it's... Like Vince is he's doing his absolute best to try and build, you know, some kind of gathering for this, and he's just, he just—it's like so melancholy. It's just—I it think he says it's devastating manoeuvre, yeah, but does. it's so flat. He sounds like Eeyore. Like, <laughs> it, yeah, he, he could be doing a voiceover. It. He could be doing a voiceover for Prozac here. It, a devastating <laughs> manoeuvre. <laughs> okay, Vince, you've convinced me. <laughs> Thanks for that. Sorry. Perfect. Absolutely spot on. You're very right to flag. Blaze is blonde, athletic, and I cannot imagine why she's being pushed as the face. We head to a break. We come back and Bertha is dominating the opening exchanges. Press slam, body slam, leg drop into a running leg drop, then shouts, count it, to the ref and gets a two count. Continues to woman handle Blaze, then does standing, jumping, short arm splashes into the corner. This looked sort of unusual, but all right. Two count, I thought that might be it. I obviously forgot about the pyro for a second. Double underhook, sub- <laughs> double underhook submission hold from Faye. I thought it'd be a suplex or a DDT, but no, just hold her in a double underhook, and that was that was a submission. Bit weird. Faye's dominating, makes lots of heel screams and noise as she attacks Faye. Good stuff. Test of strength, and Faye drags Blaze into her for a belly-to-belly bump. That's innovative and definitely in keeping with the character. Good stuff again. We come back from the break and Blaze is now in control. We get a replay of a lovely sit-out powerbomb from Bertha Faye, this time a lot better than the one that Prozac Vince described. Then Faye starts to regain control. She iris whips Alundra into the turnbuckle and she expertly executes the Ric Flair up and over the apron spot. Then she goes up top, performs a monkey flip and sends Faye into the middle of the ring. Then a whip into the corner. Then a hip toss as she rebounds. Blazing control now. Tables well and truly turned. Missile dropkick off the top by Blaze. I knew that pyro wasn't in vain. One, two, no! Faye kicks out. Blaze setting up a power bomb of her own. Surely not. Surely she can't pick the champ up. And inevitably, no, she can't. It's a back body drop in the face. <laughs> then a body slam as Bertha heads up to the second rope. But as she gets there, Blaze hops up to her feet, handstand in the corner, and Blaze head scissors to send Faye to the canvas in a big front flip, just like Marty Jannetty, Jim's favourite, did earlier on. Whippleman's up on the apron to distract. Blaze swings for him. Harvey ducks and grabs her hair. Holding How is this her a DQ? Ah, for... oh, ludicrous, He's right? pulled her hair. How is this not a DQ? <laughs> ludicrous. <laughs> Holding her for Faye to come. Ref's looking right at it. He's He's looking right at it. He is. Overcharges Faye, but Blaze escapes at the last second and Bertha body checks Whippleman, who's by accident, obviously, who's sent careering off the apron onto the barricade. German suplex from Blaze that looked fantastic, by the way, as Faye reels from the Whippleman error. One, two, three. I flipping told you the pyro was going to make a win. We've got a new champ. Decent match. Feel sorry for Faye, who blames Harvey and chases him down the gangway to the back. I thought she was robbed here. She was 
Great. We head to the back and a sharp-suited JR speaks to an under-the-weather-looking Shawn Michaels who has no bondage gear whatsoever on today, but instead has a Ralph Lauren grey jumper and some proper 90s jeans. He looks like one of the weird blokes that like Phoebe had date in one of the early seasons of Friends. JR tells HBK that although he knows he was mentally prepared to compete, but the match officials wouldn't let him on medical grounds, so he has to know how did it feel to have the match and the Intercontinental title taken away from him. HBK is looking very sombre. Maybe it's because he's not got his pleather hat on. I don't know. This book. <laughs> Sean says that he would never claim to be the toughest in the dressing room, and he wouldn't claim to be the most popular either, especially not at the moment. He, he would claim that. <laughs> <laughs> he would claim both those things. This the, the, this tale is is changing every week as well. It, it started it? off with with ten guys. Yeah. We, we we had a mob before. Yeah. A mob beating him up. It's nine now. now. We've got nine nine, guys, nine now. guys now. Yeah, you're right. There's there's lots of police. Shave the guy off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. inconsistency. Something's not right, is it? You're dead right. This isn't holding up in court, is it, Sean? <laughs> <laughs> Your story's changed literally in two weeks. From... <laughs> exactly, this is it, yeah. 100%. Uh, Sean does, though, think that he has been one of the most hard-working in the locker room and that he earned the Intercontinental title. And he adds that he doesn't think there's a lot of shame in getting beaten up by the now nine guys, as Liam rightfully flags, in Syracuse. Handing the belt over to someone who didn't deserve it, Dean Douglas, and the only saving grace for this awful debacle was that Razor got the belt back from him straight away. Sean says that he needs to be medically cleared and as soon as he is, he'll be back. Back to the announce table and Jerry's crying sarcastic tears nice, with Vince telling him to knock it off. And with that, we're out. So that was Monday Night Raw from the 23rd of October 1995. So what did we think were the Raw ratings builders and killers? Jim, kick us off with your Raw ratings builders. Builder number one is, of course, of course, is Marty Jannetty. What a performance. What a performance in the Battle Royal where (laughs) an obvious travesty occurred at the last and he was defeated. (laughs) I'm sure there'll be be, uh, repercussions from that. (laughs) But still, what a performance. Uh, Builder number two, putting the women in the main events. Yeah. I wasn't a big fan of the match. And, uh, I say the wrestlers obviously weren't a patch on the main event women that, that you get these days. Yeah. But I would never have expected uh, such a prestigious spot on the card to be awarded to a women's match in 1995. So so kudos to them for that. And uh, hard work, hard work with your builders on this show. Uh, <laughs> number three is... I learned that Al Snow was called Avatar before he was Al Snow. <laughs> Fair it's enough. A sh- it's a shame he wasn't painted blue. It's, it's, it's all I've got, really. <laughs> Scrape that barrel. Yeah, fair enough. I'll be joining you very shortly, Jim. Yeah, <laughs> Over to you, Liam. What did the Spanish announce table think of Raw for the ratings builders this week? Uh, my builder number one, um, I'm going to go with Jerry Lawler. Um, he does his job to a T at the time as a youngster you absolutely hate him yeah. but watching back now the, the comedy value is absolutely superb okay. at one point when he's when he's interviewing uh, Owen he refers to uh, Owen's parents as, as Jurassic Park parents because obviously <laughs> the, the, run, the, the, run it, the running with Bret Hart obviously is still on his mind but he just sells it really well and, he does, and you, look, you look at the competition obviously on WCW and it's, oh, it's night, night and day isn't it um, it is so Lawler yeah he, fantastic throughout um, Cracking. 
Builder number two, um, kind of like what Jim said in terms of the diversity on 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 Raw. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I like the fact that the Battle Royale it, it didn't come it didn't come off that well, but I like the fact that they're going with something different, yeah. um, as well as the uh, the women's match, as well as the main events. You know, we're not getting the same kind of structure week in week out, so that was pretty good. Awesome. Um, I was struggling here for my third builder, <laughs> and all all I've got is that next week's show looks better than this one. So, <laughs> Fair enough. We, we, we know we've got Goldust uh, making his Raw debut. Uh, we know we've got Owen Hart and Razor Ramon as the, uh, in, in a title title match. So we know instantly it's going to be a lot better. So Lovely stuff. Well, my builders, you'll be staggered to hear aren't too far off. Uh, build number one, the women's title match being given headline status on Raw. Fantastic. I, I hold, genuinely think it was the best match on the card too uh, not huge competition this week unfortunately but Blazer was great Freight was great cracking stuff build number two I'm struggling Savio Vega did a lovely spinning wheel kick <laughs> <laughs> that made my notes to be fair yeah I, I, I put it down See? here as well it was, it was uh, well, well executed <laughs> that's what I thought at the time and then when I re-scanned my notes <laughs> that was about all I could find and build number three the WrestleMania arcade game looked fantastic. <laughs> I would, I would quite like to play that game. Uh, Jim, what were your ratings, killers? Killer number one. It's the Shawn Michaels interview. <laughs> Utter dross. Yeah. What a shit way to close the show. So how can the top babyface, a larger than life, like BDSM wearing everybody loves him character, be presented <laughs> this such a negative, miserable? woe is me it's not fair all these bad things happen to me kind of outlook <laughs> absolute garbage and that's how they kind of signed off for the week and I was thinking that is that's not a good way to leave things for the whole week I think killer number two is the battle royal so mm. the majority of it the majority of it felt like filler material and didn't know half of the participants so it was boring it went on for far too long and the prize at the end of it wasn't even that good so you didn't get to win the title <laughs> no. you just got a shot at the title next week it, it doesn't feel like it it warrants that kind of you know a, a match that took up half the show pretty much and of course let's not forget the amount of phone calls the the Brandon Manitoba Police Department must have been inundated with following the robbery of Marty Jannetty on live television <laughs> at the end of said battle royal Oh, um, and finally, killer number three is where the fuck is Diesel? Where the fuck is the WWF <laughs> champion in all of this? <laughs> so the lack of attention paid, or the amount of or lack of fucks given towards him, he's got the belt. He's been the cha- he's been the champ throughout we've, since we've been watching this since we, since we started our watch through. So like six weeks worth of shows. We've, we've not seen him do anything as a single. He's been involved in the six-man tag match. He's done a couple of promos with Shawn Michaels. Um, so we've seen him wrestle once and he got pinned. <laughs> yeah, he did. He's not, cut a, he's not cut a promo by himself or built a feud by himself. No. And he's made one sweet-ass T-shirt though, Jim, with some special writing on. Well, yeah. aside from the T-shirt with special writing, it's, what, what's he there for? He might be getting sized up for a cardboard cutout, maybe. <laughs> maybe it's what he's been busy doing. <laughs> but I, said, I don't know why he's been there. It seems like the Intercontinental title is the biggest prize on the show. At the yeah, yeah, good yeah. point. Definitely. Yeah. Well, what's, the, what's the point? Very good point indeed. Cracking stuff. Liam, give us your raw ratings killers. 
Okay, so killers number one, I've gone for the Battle Royal. So although I did I did have it as one of my builders as well, I, it, it did go on for far too long. There was far too many people in. Um, we cut for a break at one point and we came back and there was like 10 less people. <laughs> yeah, there. Well, where did they go? <laughs> you know, it was absolute <laughs> drivel. Um, and when it did start getting a, a lot of attention from the crowd was when it was down to like the last four. So just cut it down. Yeah, to, you know, 10, 10 maybe, 10, 10 at the start. So you could actually see some some actual wrestling that's going to yeah, take place there. Um, too many. Yeah, yeah it was yeah, ridiculous. Um, Killers number two, I've gone for Avatar. Um, <laughs> you know, on, on debut, you know, you're bound to be uh, to a little bit nervous, but he he just absolutely flummoxed his way through that, that match, which is only two minutes long as well. That's, <laughs> yeah, no. Over two minutes, <laughs> two minutes against, Bri- against Brian Walsh, you know. <laughs> He, 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 he He's nearly not the Undertaker, did. is he? Yeah, <laughs> he, he absolutely made a, mo- you know, a mockery of, of, of trying to get over this guy who everyone everyone <laughs> defeats in thirty seconds. Um, I'd have had, he, he could he could have just he could have just interrupted a match, couldn't he? You know, he could have uh, done. Yeah, it would have been the right. same amount of time, and he wouldn't have nearly fell off the top rope twice. <laughs> um, so that was killers number two, and killers number three. Just echoing what Jim said about uh, you've got Diesel as your you know your main character. You know, he holds the main belt and he's nowhere to be seen so that's quite bizarre to be honest so yeah that Brilliant. was my killers well once again it won't surprise you we're all very much aligned on the uh, the raw bills and killer stakes because killer number one the 20 man battle royal slow dull boring lots of really poor looking spots I should have stuck with me gut and kept my expectations low real fucking low killer number two Avatar versus Brian Walsh Avatar looked proper nervous Exactly what you said, Liam. A few botches. The gimmick is pretty poor for a kickoff. You know, I assume the colours of his get-up weren't dark and moody due to, like, Mortal Kombat copyright issues. Because why has he come out in, like, yellow and red and bright, cheery stuff? He looked like a bad cartoon and acted like it when he got in there with Brian Walsh. If you're if you wrestling Brian Walsh and he comes out with more credibility than you do, something's gone wrong. <laughs> you've got Brian Walsh over. <laughs> you've accidentally got Brian Walsh. The crowd like, Brian, Brian, you're your avatar. Yeah. How's this happened? If the job is getting more pop than you are, exactly. then it's... <laughs> exactly. To be fair as well, he, when he first came out, he, he looks like the last airbender, you know, and who, who, who is actually called Avatar as well. So no, he isn't. That's incredible. It, yeah, he, he looks really identical to it, so wow. I'd, I'd rethink that as well. <laughs> Just saying. Incredible. And killer number three, the cardboard cutout Del Boy incident. The less said about this, the better. So next, let's find out what the competition are up to over on WCW Monday Nitro in Huntsville, Alabama. Jim, take us through it. Big episode of, uh, of Nitro this week. We start, it's, the, it's of course, it's the Halloween Have a Go Home show. <sighs> and we begin with the, the, the weekly, the, the regular explosions of pyro and the, the Bischoff hyperbole. And then from that, we cut straight through to Macho Man's entrance music as he is on his way to the ring. Apparently, he's got a bit of a bad arm, though. Bischoff tells us he doesn't know the details about this bad arm, but he knows he's got a bad arm. You, you need to know that, don't you? As your lead, you should be knowing. <laughs> Tell us, Eric. Oh, he can't. Oh, the sort yeah. of things I'd expect him to understand. <laughs> but yet he hasn't. Oh, anyway, he's, he's on the way to the ring with his bandaged up arm, and he's taking on uh, Kurosawa, who's in the ring already. He's got the colonel with him. <laughs> 
before a match starts, the colonel, he gets in Savage's face. Savage slaps the cigar out of, out of the colonel's mouth, shoves him on his ass. The colonel rolls out of the ring, but then the Kurosawa's straight in there. He runs straight to his gaffer's aid, and he starts booting the fuck out of the back of a macho man's legs. He's working him over. <laughs> he then tells us that Kurosawa's totally focused and dedicated because that's just the way the Japanese prepare. I mean... And then this, <laughs> this uniquely Japanese method of preparation has worked wonders for Kurosawa because he is dominating the opening exchanges. <laughs> he is on top from the outset. He's kicking and chopping and headbutting macho. And it's just there's a there's, there's a little let up until he has his momentum briefly halted when Savage hurls him out of the ring in desperation. But this doesn't stop Kurosawa because he no sells the fall of the floor. He's straight back in the ring and he works over Savage, a variant of a, a Samoan drop type maneuver for a yeah, two count. Yeah, nice that. Mm. Uh, then he, he's uh, he starts working on the injured arm after this point. So Kurosawa's left the arm. The, the arm's the, been the mystery injured arm. Mm. <laughs> he must must have spotted the bandages late or something. But it's, it, <laughs> If only Macho hadn't wore those bandages, it seems he might have. <laughs> He'd gotten away with it. <laughs> maybe, as, a, maybe. as a newcomer here to the uh, to the podcast, I feel it's only fair that I I, I comment on on Mongo straight away. Oh um, yeah, go oh, on. Please, yes, so yes. so he he's re- he refers to uh, Macho Man Randy Savage as Macho Man Savage every about, time <laughs> for about yeah, every for time at least ten times. <laughs> yeah. So straight away, it's straight just, away, it's not a good start for the guy. How to ruin your credibility <laughs> yeah. as, a, as, a, as a commentator, as a colour yeah. commentator, get the name wrong of one of your top stars oh, repeatedly. <laughs> so already we've had Bischoff who doesn't know why an injury's occurred. <laughs> and then you've got... Mongo, Mongo doesn't know who the, who the injury's <laughs> happened to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> so here we go. But Macho Man Savage in the ring, he cannot get a look in. He's, uh, his, his arm's getting <laughs> he's getting worked over it, but he's still Kurosawa is totally on top uh, Savage tries a comeback of his own he's a bit of an eye rake he's, mm. he's, he's resorted to that level yeah. of uh, you know anything any, any, anything uh, to get me out of this mess but, but it's another no sell from Kurosawa and he dumps Macho outside the ring then he hits a baseball slide to send Macho crashing into the railing he threw himself as well Macho didn't yeah. he he was like he the, the, the speed at which he hit the fucking barricade was in no way related to the speed of Kurosawa coming on and hitting him it's like bang <laughs> shucked himself over <laughs> selling like a fish <laughs> a fish notorious uh, salesman of course uh, back in the ring <laughs> back in the ring <laughs> Bischoff, speaking of baseball slides, Bischoff makes a reference to last night's baseball just to let us know he is a sports guy after all. And then uh, we, we cut to a break and we return with the same, the same fucking Halloween Havoc ad that we've had oh, for God. about six weeks now. It's exactly the same, guys. Change your fucking adverts. You should have played that in Guantanamo. Like, uh, now we've had it, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's awful. End of this now. Well, despite the advert, it's not stuff. It's not Perturb Kurosawa who's uh, he's still dominant coming back from the ads. This is entirely it's all one way traffic in the ring. Um, the, the tide does begin to turn briefly when Kurosawa goes for yet another baseball slide. Uh, Savage has been tossed outside the ring. This time he dodges the baseball slide, though it causes Kurosawa to hit the deck. Savage is up against the ring post on the outside when Kurosawa then he's, he's up from the from the missed baseball slide. He goes for a big kick. Savage ducks out of the way though, so Kurosawa shoes the steel and he starts selling that. It's, it's quite brutal that I thought. I thought yeah. he, uh, yeah, I don't think he, I don't think yeah. he meant to kick it that hard because you do looked, hear the twang, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> bone on steel. It was um, clear bone on steel. <laughs> <laughs> Seen them live. 
Uh, we, we're back in the ring we're back in the ring again and uh, Kurosawa he's going for some armbar type manoeuvre Savage blocks it rams his opponent in the rope throat first and then clocks the reeling Kurosawa with a clothesline to the back of the head Kurosawa is planted face first onto the map we've got a problem here because <laughs> we're, go- <laughs> we're about to go to the finish which obviously is going to be an elbow drop from the top but Kurosawa he's facing the wrong way yeah I, I made a comment on that what an idiot <laughs> You're safe, Kurosawa. Just don't turn over and he can't hit the move. Oh, <laughs> what, have you, what have you done? Oh, what's he done, Kurosawa? He has turned over. All he had to do was stay on his front and he would have been fine, but he hasn't. He's rolled over inexplicably. Savage has hit the elbow drop and he's get the win. One, two, three. It's the only move he's hit all match. I've, I've clocked yeah. it. It's the only move. I've gone back and watched Jeez. it again. He's hit one move. It's really? the elbow drop that was it. and he's won. Kurosawa's on the outside. He's absolutely incandescent, and I can't say I blame him because he has squandered a real opportunity. There. <laughs> I do like the uh, the the elbow drop finisher from uh, yeah, Macho Man, but I was I, like like Eugene. I was just looking at what the hell Kurosawa was doing in the ring. I was just, it just spoiled it for me. I was just what an idiot. It's, just, it's safe, yeah. isn't it, Kurosawa? You've, you've, you've played a blinder yeah. all match here. Then you yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had it in the bag. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> <laughs> it was curtains when he just toyed the uh, the ring pose on it for him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah from that well point on. From, from that point on, he, he didn't deserve the win, to be honest. So, <laughs> from that, we cut back to the commentary booth where uh, Mongo and Pepe are wearing matching outfits. It was some kind of com- cowboy ensemble this time. <laughs> double denim. They decided to go double denim. Double denim on the dog. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've been oh, trying my hardest me. over the last couple of years to get to get a dog. Um, I've kind of changed my mind over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I've just totally got off the idea now. Yeah. So thanks, you Pepe. See yourself. Uh, <laughs> to be you fair, bla- I'm, I'm putting the blame on Pepe there. It's it's, it's Mongo. Isn't it? <laughs> Clearly, Mongo. Let's get rid of him. Oh, he just needs to go, doesn't he? And follow. We get a bit of a strange comment from Bobby Eden. Bobby Eden's had a bit of a wobble of a week, I think, this yeah, week. So after his Japanese uh, preparation comment <laughs> in, the, in the match, he, he's, he's, he said something about. Um, he tells us this anecdote about being on the plane flying in. Yeah, fucking. What was this? Oh, yeah. said, what was this? He, he this said was... the pilot came up to him and asked him if he thought Sting could trust Luger in the main event. <laughs> <laughs> and he had said he told him. Uh, just get back to flying the plane and let Sting worry about it. <laughs> and he called yeah. him Sky Guy as well. Yeah, Sky Guy. Back to, to add to insult to anecdote injury, he called him Sky Guy. Sky that's, what, guy. that's what seven weeks of just propping up Mongo and Bischoff has done. It's a clear enough. mental breakdown. Yeah. It's he, pure he, filler from the brain, wasn't it? Not to not sure what's supposed to end. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in fairness to both my favourite commentator Eric Bischoff and Mongo they both absolutely sandbag it totally no sell no one reacts to Bobby's ludicrous story just but you've silent. not got long to worry though you've not got long to worry because any heat on a any heat on the brain is is is, uh, is, is instantly instantly cooled as the lights shut off oh. and we've got oh. someone who looks like Voldemort if if Voldemort <laughs> had really let himself go oh. Yeah, sat high in the rafters on a throne that you know who knows how it got up there, but it's got up there, <laughs> <laughs> or how it's staying there. He's in his armchair in the rafters, and he and he starts to shout things oh, at us God. in a similar vein of promos, like Psycho said, a similar vein of promos that we can't fully understand. Nah, no idea what he said. Couldn't tell you. In his gravelly voice, this. <laughs> 
worse for wear, Voldemort is, is shouting at us. He, he, he claims he's, he's Kevin Sullivan's dad, so so this is Mr. Sullivan as far as we can tell. <laughs> the, the Sith Lord. <laughs> How vain he was! He not like some out of Blade. He looked like one of the one of the weird ones out he of did Blade. Not look well. he did I thought it like I'd, I'd put my elbow on the remote and Star Wars had come on. <laughs> I had to do a double check because I was like, hang on, this is totally gone on a U-turn. Jesus. <laughs> but is he meant to be the string puller of the fucking the Dungeon of Doom here? Because... Which makes a mockery of Taskmaster's name, doesn't it? <laughs> he's not actually Taskmaster. He's not actually Taskmaster. He's not. He's having his string pull by the puppet master above him. His old man is, is calling the shots. Of all these questions that I'm instantly asking, we haven't got time to get the answers because Sullivan's old man, he's bellowing every single word. He tells us that the insurance package has been delivered. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's he on about here? No no context. (laughs) Discovered in Kathmandu, I think it was. Yeah, it was. (laughs) It's fucking massive as well. How have they got got that through customs? Come on. A lot of work's gone in. The taskmaster's put an order in for some insurance. <laughs> Unbeknownst to us, he's left it very late. It's arrived at the last minute from Kathmandu. Then it's, he goes, like, from Kathmandu, the Himalayas, and the north face of Everest, which I'm asking, it's a strange place to keep a warehouse, lads. <laughs> an insurance Com- warehouse, no less. Completely inaccessible if you're delivering things out of here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, can't really make out what... what um, Taskmaster Senior's making what Taskmaster Senior's coming out with. But it seems to have dug this massive package out of some ice, transported it all the way to Huntsville, Alabama, where they've put <laughs> it in the arena for broadcast on Night Raw. And they're not even gonna have the pay-per-view here. They're gonna have the pay-per-view at fucking Detroit. So this they've got to then tra- transport the ice block again. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna be a puddle by the time it gets to uh, Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> I'll come back to that in a second. Puddle. Yeah. The insurance puddle. <laughs> um, yeah, the camera cuts to the big box, which is oh, clearly man. a big box covered in white plastic sheets, but <laughs> <laughs> with fuck? some dry ice beneath it. He's like, like, if I did that in GCSE art, right, I'd have failed. <laughs> what is it? Oh, it's an insurance policy from Catman. Didn't get out. Okay. <laughs> Right, you are. Yeah, fair enough. We've got more inaudible from uh, Sullivan's dad, <laughs> who is. <laughs> Why did they give him a microphone? Oh, I've got a fucking clue. We've had no mention of him for six weeks, and now here he is. Why is he up there in the rafters? <laughs> to deliver the insurance package from on high. <laughs> What's the point? Why did they go? They've got all the trouble of putting a fucking throne up there, but not a microphone. <laughs> Again, it's more inaudible from him. He's talking something about a white-fingered tiger. Oh, I didn't a get this at all. White-fingered tiger? None of it made sense. I'd switched off by this point. But yeah, there's, there's some, there's some, the gist is, <laughs> long and short of it, there's some creature inside the white box and it's going to be unleashed on Hogan at Halloween Havoc. So this, this wild, this ferocious, this untamable creature that knows how to wait patiently until it's cue to appear, it seems. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's just confusing, oh, if man. anything else. I was I was Shocking. completely baffled. Before then, we've got the breakdown of it, where it seems as though they've added another monster into the mix of the giants. Jesus. 
who is portrayed as the cartoon giant. Is he not monstrous enough? We've exactly. Had to throw. Egg fucking exactly. We've, we've had a curveball. We've had a spanner in the works. He's, oh, he's another monster to deal with. <laughs> He's been destroying everything for the last seven weeks. He doesn't need any help. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Why is he needed the insurance policy? They've oh, been killing Organ. If anything, if anything, <laughs> this would have led to them getting complacent. But they've gone the opposite way. <laughs> well, shit, what are we going to do? <laughs> We've got the beating of Organ. Well, I don't know. Let's get an insurance policy in. <laughs> Just, yeah, surely the tactic is do his neck again. Do his neck again. Yeah. That's all that the tactic for the giant for the match should be. That's the insurance policy. Hogan's weak neck. Julie. Exactly. And this Fucking arguably, hell. this this complete reversal yeah. of all logic has is, 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 is made the least sense of all the things they've done so far. But. <laughs> yeah, which is some going. The, the, this speech is, is definitely it's scrawled in feces somewhere in a toilet, this speech. <laughs> because it is absolutely just two minutes of just incoherent, absolute shambolic. It incoherent, just, inaudible bollocks. Inaudible, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bengal tiger. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> What's he on about? <laughs> but to oh, add some man. gloss onto all of this, to add to, to fill in the, the many gaps, <laughs> we've, we've cut to uh, we've cut to Mean Gene, who's with who's with Junior and the Giants. Oh, <laughs> the Taskmaster, the Taskmaster's old man, he's still in shot over the shoulder. But uh, uh, Gene, Mean Gene asks, "What's the purpose of your dad being here?" <laughs> Good question, Gene. <laughs> Can't believe I'm saying all this. <laughs> And then Gene points to the white box and calls it an iceberg. How has it melted? I know. <laughs> How has it melted? It's an iceberg. We're going to have a flooding situation in our hands at ringside. Everyone's going to be ankle deep. At this point, Sullivan tells us his dad, who <laughs> remember is this obese, wrinkled, fucking Sith Lord in the, in the rafters who can't even stand up to deliver a promo. Is He's gone with a Sherpa, with the Sherpa guides, to, <laughs> to acquire the Yeti. It's the Yeti in, in no, the ice. No, 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 I was going to no, say, I, I was going to interrupt He says it like, the Yeti. <laughs> it's the Yeti. Oh, this is just bollocks beyond bollocks. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the Yeti, I've, I've lost it at this point. We've had to have a pause, walk away from the screen, the Yeti. I can't, I can't oh, carry man, on. The Yeti. Uh, Sullivan starts uh, regurgitating some of his shit promo from last week, uh, talking about how Hogan has shown he had evil inside him all along. He's wearing black now, uh, whatever. The crowd starts going hackers when Hogan's name is mentioned, though. Yeah, they surprising do. given yeah, how hated he was in Chicago. He's, yeah. he's absolutely despised. He was. But, um, Tons of booze, yeah. Sully concludes by telling us the Yeti is the only insurance policy the giant needs. I think it was an absolutely absurd suggestion, as Liam quite rightly points out, because surely he doesn't need any insurance policy. No. Who the fuck thought of this? <laughs> um, and then at this point, I thought it's really, gonna, really important to remind everyone at this stage that if you ask, if you were to ask Eric Bischoff, if you put a, a camera and a microphone in front of Eric Bischoff, and you ask him, what made... Uh, WCW Nitro what made it a success he'll tell you he'll be the first one to tell you WWF are doing all the cartoon storylines so I figured out we had to do reality based ones <laughs> here we've got the Yeti involved in a wrestling angle oh with a worse for wear Voldemort his son who is the cartoon overlord of a group called the Dungeon of Doom <laughs> which includes a man called the Shark <laughs> along with the, the Zodiac shark. 
Gene then passes to the giant, who starts talking about the rarest cat in the jungle and how Hogan's <laughs> running out of lives. Oh, fuck me. Um, this is fucking pony, isn't it? He's going to take Hogan's last life and then the WCW <laughs> Championship. I don't think uh, Hogan's going to be too arsed about it. The WCW Championship, if he's dead, he's not going to be too arsed about <laughs> handing over the title at this point. Um, he then tells Hogan that Hogan will find out who the one true immortal is. He then calls himself the immortal giant before doing the ridiculous evil laugh that he oh, does at the end of every He's in it bad. So Painstaking promo. This is so fucking stupid. I thought they'd got it all out of the system last week when they produced a good show and <laughs> they hadn't. That was wrong. They were saving it up, if anything. <laughs> yeah, saving it all it was a filler show last week. We're back to Bischoff. He's plugging comms. He plugs the pay-per-view. He's chipper as fuck, despite the revelations that have just been made nearly that there's a plot being hatched to murder his top guy. There's a potential flood hazard in the arena. And, as he said, the potential threat posed to the general public itself with the Yeti encased inside an iceberg. Right. I, um, I, was, tra- I was trained at this point. Like, I felt, like I'd, I felt yeah. like I'd been on a really long run. <laughs> it, was just, it was just so... Hard draft, it? and then obviously we we've got we've got this next segment as well. So I had to I had to pause at this point. Don't blame me. Oh, lots of breaks required, definitely. Um, but yeah, he, he's the second dose of Mean Gene. He, Hogan's out. He gets the full entrance. He's got his best friend. Don't know if I can handle it though. Like you say, Liam, it's very training. <laughs> it's very training. Needed something longer between these promos. Oh, didn't they? Hogan starts out as he always does. He's screaming and shouting and behaving in a way that no normal person ever would. <laughs> um, he stood side onto the camera, so his yeah, left weird. arm yeah. is like visible. It's it's the colour of a of a really well done roast chicken. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Rotisserie style bicep. <laughs> it is. It's is, it is golden brown, miles darker than his boat race. Clear distinction in the two. This two isn't shades. just any roast chicken. This is Hulk Hogan <laughs> on holiday roast chicken. <laughs> um, Hogan starts uh, verbal diary and a lot of things. Doesn't make any sense. The gist is he's not scared of the dungeon of doom with or without the Yeti. <laughs> he doesn't know what oh, it is man. yet. How can he say that? Right. Well, yeah. Uh, no, he does. He says the Yeti. He does, yeah. He does he, know. He, this he, is where it started getting confusing because yeah. Bischoff didn't know what was inside, but Hogan did, and Hogan said the Yeti. Hogan oh definitely God. mentioned it. I thought it had just been pronounced incorrectly, and then once Hulk Hogan went with the Yeti line again, that's, then that's what we're calling yeah, it now. That's what we're calling it, yeah. But how did um, he know is the point, Jim? Yeah, fair enough. It's 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 clearly been. Bischoff has hammed it up pretending he's not knowing what's going on, but <laughs> Hogan's had none of that. The omnipotent Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Hogan then goes on to say that people are asking him what he's going to do with his... I, I, I have no idea what's going on. We're jumping all over the place. Hogan is a... Yeah, he's, he's, people are asking him what he's going to do with his black gear. He <laughs> says, asking him that. <laughs> he's asking him what he's doing with his T-shirt. Apparently a lot of people are. It's a big... It's a burning question. Hogan and the Sith Lord have definitely been on the piss before this, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> They've stumbled out of the local bar. <laughs> Hooks just met a bloke in a bar yeah. and he said, mate, I can get you on Nitro, right? Put this robe on. Can you get up in the rafters? <laughs> I, I, I doubt it, but try. Ten, bud, <laughs> ten Budweiser's deep. Right, let's go. It was absolutely bonkers. Cobblers. Yeah, he says he might keep the, the black gear because after everyone has seen what he's going to do to the giant, <sighs> then everyone will know what a man with black gloves on and a black rag on his head is capable of doing. 
I've put that in verbatim, but again, I, like reading it out loud, that, that's, doesn't make sense, does it? it was that, was that a reference to the OJ trial? This is why I initially assumed. Ah, I see. Oh, Mac. I mean, that's worse if it is. But he is. <laughs> but does he also, when he says talking about keeping the clothes, does, does Hulk think that when you take something off, you have to bin it? <laughs> like, yeah. why, why, what are you going to do with that when you start wearing it Hulk? Well, I put it in the wash. Fold it up, put it in the What are you talking about, you moron? Uh, after this heap of fucking gubbins uh, Gene <laughs> takes a hard hard ride straight off that bumpy road to ask about Savage Sting and Luger what the hell are they going to do with all this don't drive don't bring them into this they don't, they don't need to be fucking tired with this horribleness just yeah just finish this interview here Gene come on <laughs> yeah, <this is> it. <laughs> don't encourage him don't encourage him <laughs> I'm going to cut to the chase here because I can't take any more but Hogan's not happy with them all he calls them his so-called friends he says all those little dogs better get in line and decide who's got the biggest bark because the biggest dog and here he obviously means himself is going to be waiting for whoever wants to challenge him after he's done with the giant Hogan says he'll beat them all one at a time which doesn't seem the biggest challenge should he say take them all at once yeah. I'll beat you all at once if you're all a bunch of shitheads do you know what I mean um, fucking hell and then this basically ends the promo at this point I am I am tapping out I am fully on the deck <laughs> I'm tapping I can't deal with this this is horrific hovering over the skip 10 button on the WWE <laughs> network I was clinging on clinging on to find out if there's going to be a new alias bestowed on Jimmy Hart this week and there wasn't even one <laughs> know, of them I know I know this Hogan story line though this, this evilness he's unleashing He's, he's literally the same person just in a black outfit isn't he he's still saying brother he's still calling people Hulkamaniacs he's still <laughs> cupping his hand to his ear he's literally no difference other than a black t-shirt and pants it's oh, shocking it's crap isn't it it's, I mean, it's, 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 it just it says it all that he again, thinks by that, putting that as, on and shaving his tash that's a new yeah. character like fuck me he is outdated isn't he you can clearly oh, tell he? he's just criminally so my, my, on the mic he's so bad after all that horrendousness, that extra helping of horrendousness, that filth is now behind us. We're given the most exceptional of palate cleansers to follow this. It's, it's, uh, oh, we've yeah. got a tag match yeah. between uh, Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko on one side, and they're, they're going up against Eddie Guerrero and Mr. JL. So uh, JL, he feels like a bit of an odd partner for Guerrero, but then as they're making their entrance, they're, they're followed out by Das Wunderkind, who's, um, he looks... looks uh, a bit, um, you know, he's, he's he's come a cropper somehow. He's he's on crutches, knee brace on. Bish tells us that Das Wunderkind was meant to partner Eddie. Again, that would have still been a bit of an odd combination, but whatever. Um, but Das Wunderkind couldn't get doctor's release to, in his words, to, to compete. And well, of course he couldn't because his, his leg was in a full cast. <laughs> I can't believe he even asked for yes. doctor's release. <laughs> Hey, Doc, what do you think about this? Of course not. Okay, fair enough. You're six months on the sideline, Das Wunderkind. We've established we don't go to Bischoff for uh, any injury update, do we? Anything. Yeah, he doesn't bother with that, does he? No. Absolutely. <laughs> do not go to that place with him. Spot on. Uh, Mongo says at this point, these men will be moving around like no other sport you can witness. Of course, a big draw for all sports fans the world over is watching how the athletes move around. Uh, at this point, I, I feel it's important to say I don't want to jump to conclusions given how wrong I was about the, you know, thinking that the, the idea of all the insanity is now in the past. And we're, but I love how, how, how Eddie, Malenko, Benoit are kind of featuring regularly. They were on yeah, last week. Yeah, or, yeah. Or Ed, sorry, Benoit and, and Guerrero were last week. Malenko the week before. So it seems like they've kind of cottoned on, they've twigged that, 
you know, it's it's important to have some good wrestling matches on your wrestling program. Who'd have thought it? But yeah, as you'd expect, the match itself uh, is very enjoyable. Light and fast-paced throughout, lots of exciting spots. Uh, we have a really nice portion quite early on where all the participants, except for Eddie, do some form of high-flying from inside yeah. the ring to out. Mm. Gets the crowd going. We've got a uh, Malengo, does a dive. And then this, he's he's a dive onto Eddie, he's holding Eddie. Then Benoit comes running, does some kind of, what do you say, on tope, suicida or whatever it's called, through the second rope. But Eddie ducks out the way, so Benoit clads into Malenko. And then Malenko goes back in the ring and vaults Mr. JL over the top one of both of them. So this was a really nice little segment, worked really well. Crowds buzzing for this, the crowd's up. A majority of the matches are JL getting worked over by the heels. Lots of duplicity on their behalf. Lots of good yeah. things going on behind the ref's back. Yeah, great. So it shows Malenko and Benoit they can do the fast-paced stuff. They can do that style, but they also know how to slow things down effectively. Bill Heat. Uh, JL takes a big superplex from Benoit off the top. Eddie has to break up the pin to save the match. And I like how Benoit sold the superplex as well. He's kind of acting like it's hurt him as well, doing it. It's a really yeah, big move. Yeah, getting yeah. sold is a really big move. And, and would have got the pin had it not been for the interference, which you just, again, is something you don't see. No one ever wins a match in a superplex these days, do they? Yeah. Um, Jed eventually, after getting worked over for a long time, he gets the tag, allows Eddie into the match. Eddie unloads, cleans the heels out as part of his comeback. There's a glorious flying arm drag with head scissors yes. combo on both opponents. Yeah, Absolutely sublime, so Mr. Guerrero. Yes. Um the finish bit was a bit sloppy, but it sees both Benoit and Guerrero tangle. They collide in the ring, fall to the outside. This distracts the ref, who who misses uh, Das Wunderkind, who uses his crutch to trip Dean Malenko, who's running the ropes. Uh, this this trip then is enough to put Malenko off, which allows JL to set up a really complicated kind of roll-up attempt where he... Mm. He jumps up onto Malenko's shoulders, spins around, and then dives, throws himself over Malenko's head, which kind of drags Malenko into a forwards roll position. Hmm. Um, but JL doesn't catch Malenko's legs, so Malenko's then got to bring them back up for JL to catch, yeah. to, to hold him into the pin. But we do get the one, two, three from there, which again just looked a bit clumsy. You would expect it better, yeah. but given the personnel involved, I'll, uh, I'll, blame, I'll blame JL for that. I guess maybe he's a bit of a rookie <laughs> compared to the others. Guerrero then celebrates with the teammates he, before making a, a bit of a hasty exit. He, he, he's, he's followed by the allies, but they're a bit too far behind to prevent Brian Pillman appearing from nowhere. <laughs> he blindsides Eddie Guerrero, hits a big DDT on the concrete, and then he does one. So I, 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 it's a bit of a strange time to start a feud between Brian Pillman and Eddie Guerrero, given that Brian Pillman's already in a feud with somebody else. <laughs> but I'm, 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 I'm quite liking the prospect of a... Oh, I'd love to see these matches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Brian yeah. and Eddie in the ring. That should be really good. There was an interruption, wasn't there, again? It always seems to be an Eddie Guerrero fight where they, 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 they cut to the locker room, don't they? And there's, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Scott, yeah, Scott Norton and uh, the Shark Sh- are going Scott at Norton. it. Yeah, so par- apparently this is uh, this has been brewing since, I think it's September 11th and we're, what, October 23rd. So has he had a bout of amnesia or something like this? <laughs> six weeks so, on. Full five, six weeks since uh, Scott Norton. I, I would potentially be a pretty decent Yeah, hero, yeah, actually. I agree. He, uh, he got completely buried. He had his career killed by yeah. uh, by, by the shark falling on him, causing <laughs> irreparable damage to his hopes of ever becoming a big uh, big name in the business. 
And then the sharks burst into the Dungeon of Doom's dressing room. It seems weird they have a dressing room because of the Dungeon of Doom. Why would they bother having a dressing room? Do you know what I mean? That seems I something they wouldn't do. It seems a very conventional thing. They'd have a, but dun- anyway, they'd have a dungeon. They'd have a dungeon. They'd have a dungeon. <laughs> they'd have some kind of lair, wouldn't they? <laughs> and he, yeah, he's attacking the shark, as you say, Liam. Yeah. And he's, yeah, he's, he's just remembered these, these five, five. I've got a problem with the shark. I better go and sort this out. Cameraman, <laughs> come with me. You really annoyed me six weeks ago. So. Yes, I know. But again, though, interrupting an Eddie Guerrero match. I know. I, get, I just, I'd be livid if I was Eddie. Totally well said. Every single, every single week. Because it's the one match I want to see in its entirety. Yeah, correct. <laughs> every time. Would have took him interrupting the uh, the fucking. Uh, anything Rosen, else? <laughs> Interrupt the <laughs> Sith Lord. <laughs> Couldn't hear him anyway. Yeah, I didn't That's have a clue point. what was going on anyway. <laughs> Here come Harlem Heat. They're in a tag match against Sting and Luger, a bit of an odd combination given their yeah. respective uh, exactly. dates at the pay-per-view coming up. And yeah. um, Harlem Heat come out with Booker T's music. I mean, it's quite cool yeah. that that yeah. uh, lasted the test of time. Absolutely. But, and, yeah. and literally, not a, not a note yeah, has changed. It's, the same, isn't it? it's exactly the same. Yeah, it strike me. Enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, ditto. The comms lads are asking you to phone up Mike Tenney. At this point, I start to wonder, is it Mike Tenney? And they're just pronouncing it like Yeti. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's got some. He's got some wrestling goss for us. And they bad mouth. Uh, they bad mouth uh, in your house in the previous evening. Obviously, I don't blame. Right do I don't so. blame. Yeah. <laughs> do not we'll blame. Give Tenny a call. Tenny, I'll give you some dirt on that. Uh, Sting and Lou will make the way to the ring. Sting has a bit of a. Um, you know trying to be top baby face guy talking to a kid in the crowd and yeah. then, then they're in the ring we have a bit of argy bargy before the bell and the match begins ding ding Sting and Booker lock up in the centre Sting quickly assumes control he hip tosses Booker to the outside prompting an argument between the comms lads about whether it should have been a DQ yeah, uh, I didn't th- understand this no, first what the hell were they on about were yeah, they on about something else should have been a DQ or this because no. I, was, I was someone hip tossing somebody outside a DQ Apparently, being thrown over the top rope is an automatic DQ, which is really? maybe this is something that's like NWA rules or something again. But yeah, this was uh, right. this was a new one to me. Explain these, make these things more obvious for you, Sam lads. Fucking hell! Um, once after this, Booker's uh, back inside the ring. Sting back body drops him, tags in Luger. It's a double axe handle as we head into a break. Shockingly. After the break, it seems like Luger has made a real mess of things. We come back to find Stevie Ray is now enjoying total, full, complete, 100% control over the total, full, 100% complete package. Yeah, a lot of tagging in and out. Book is dominated. The heels are absolutely walking all over Lex Luger. Um, Sting jumps in at one point out of desperation. He rakes Booker T's eyes. Again, totally cheating. Comms don't acknowledge it. Doesn't help Luger much though, despite being given an absolute free pass from Sting. He can't even bail himself out of that. Ray tags straight in, starts choking Luger out in the corner. We get lots of heel cheating with the ref's back's turn, the choking him, the great choking as well. Luger out. When Stevie Ray was doing that, so he's interject just as one. I absolutely loved it. He was he had his uh, boot on Luger's throat and he was uh, staring and shouting at the crowd who yeah. were cheering for Lex, going like, Is this your Lex Luger? Yeah, they got the crowd up there, didn't they? And um comes interject they start discussing the nonsense from earlier this this actually did make me laugh and uh, Bischoff asks what the hell is a yeti anyway and Heenan says you know a yeti <laughs> so the noise called that why have they been calling it something problem else problem solved <laughs> Bischoff asking the question everybody at home is asking yeah exactly 
Um, back in the ring, back in the action, the heels again, totally dominant, constantly choking out Lex Luger. There's no hint of the man even being capable of making a comeback. Booker T's in there now, out of nowhere, hits an axe kick. I'm yeah. thinking it's really flat. There's no excitement involved. And I'm thinking, isn't this, Luger sells it really bad as well. Luger's shit oh, so bad. sells it really bad. Yeah, it's awful. Sluggish. He just crumples to the floor. And I'm thinking, isn't this Booker's finisher? Because there was, it was no way like, treated as, as though it should be. There was no like celebration of it or anything. And Booker doesn't really go for the pin either. So again, no mention of it on comms. As we cut to Sherry, who is... Oh, oh, man. kissing Polaroids of the Colonel the Heat have got to ditch her because her head's clearly not in this her head is not in this <laughs> what's she doing <laughs> uh, while this is going on Luger's in another choke although now he's still briefly a Luger um, <laughs> Luger powers himself out he does the old ref hand drops Luger gets uh, his hand up on the third he powers uh, himself out I hate it that spot it what? lasts for seconds anyway it's pointless because exactly. the, the heels reassert themselves almost instantaneously <laughs> yeah, what was the point <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, Booker gets back um, Booker's in charge he goes up top he goes for some kind of cannonball from the top rope Luger rolls out of the way fucking deadbeat Luger manages to do something correct gets out of the way and then this allows him to make the tag to Sting. The helpless Luger tags in Sting. Sting runs Riot, much like Eddie Guerrero did earlier, dominates the heels, does those big splashes in the corner that, that did for the Shark last Sting week. Sting of splashes, that's it. He's hitting them left, right and centre, then goes for the Scorpion Deathlock on Booker T. Stevie Ray's in to make the save, but Luger, Luger fends him off, spirited, valiant comeback from Lex Luger. He stops Stevie Ray. Booker T then throws Sting out of the ring, which sets up yet another clumsy finish. Ooh, yeah. um, mm. So what happens this time is is, is Harlem Heat, they hit a double vertical suplex on Lex Luger, of course to do. And Sting, he hasn't bothered trying to save him, and I guess why would he at this point? Because who can <laughs> save Lex Luger at this point? Um, he hasn't bothered to save his partner, but instead he's climbed to the top rope where he's going to lie in wait. Uh, Luger then rolls into a corner, the corner adjacent to where Sting is, and, and Steve Ray kind of follows him, kicking him as he goes. Doesn't yeah. need to be doing it because <laughs> Luger's obviously done, already done from the, the suplex and yeah. the savage beating he's received throughout this match. Booker then turns blindly into Sting's flying crossbody. They land it really bad because Booker doesn't catch him. Sting kind of bounces off him, hits the deck, and then has to crawl back, gets the pin, because surely the kind of element of surprise on the flying crossbody is what gets you the pin, doesn't it? If you know it's coming, you can surely yeah, exactly. kind of kick out only a crossbody. Yeah. So this is all happening about a foot away from... This is where it kind of gets a bit stupid because it's all... Stevie Ray's back's turned to this, but he's only at most a foot and a half away from the action, from the pin, but he's still kicking Luger, kicking Luger, kicking Luger, and it just doesn't stop, but the ref counts to three. He would have yeah. heard, he would have seen, he would have seen, he's not heard all of this happening, doesn't do anything, doesn't turn around, he just carries on kicking Luger, as tempting as it would be, just keep kicking Luger, while you've got the opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't turn around, ref counts to three, and Sting and Luger are your winners. Oh man. He should realise that the floor's vibrating. Yeah, because exactly. of the because, because of the count and yeah. the ref shouting one two three something's going on behind me <laughs> uh, on the way out of the ring the heels have some words it's Ray Stevie Ray was having the words and I'm thinking if I was Booker T I'd be I'd be feeling with him because <laughs> this was his fault this was all fucking Stevie Ray's fault and then they swiftly exit yeah. but why are they swiftly exiting you might be wondering why are they making such a a quick exit well we're, we're given the answer to that question straight away. Because Harlem Heat have realised the giant and the taskmaster en route to the ring. 
So they're not saving himself for the title match with Hogan. They've sensed an opportunity to come and beat up Sting and why? Lex Luger. Because why? I know. <laughs> why would they? Well, what issue do they have? Uh, so Heat walk away casually, knowing they're not involved in the angle, which makes it look <laughs> even more stupid. Doesn't it? No urgency whatsoever. No. Um, the Giant's in there. He, he nails Luger with a mega choke slam because, I mean, who can't get enough of... That might, might be why he came out. Luger's there. I'll go and fucking... I'll go and bury <laughs> Luger some more. Can't get enough of this shit. Run out. Buries Luger. Um, as per, you know, the weekly spot now. Yeah. Sting gets the same treatment. Bang, yeah. he's got the choke slam. And then here comes Macho. Macho's now in a position to, you know, having been dominated by the Giant a couple of weeks running, he's now in a position to save the day. He comes out, he flattens the Taskmaster. The giant kind of circles him, turns his back to the entrance ramp, and he's gesticulating that he's going to come for Savage, but he's turned his back to the entrance. What could possibly happen here? He goes on for long enough, and then he's Hogan. Hogan's coming out. Hogan's going to get to the ring. He's going to get some retribution. It's his big chance. The giant's not even looking. Just blindside him. Blindside him, Hogan. No. No. Hogan's going to tap him on the shoulder and tell him he's here because Hogan's all about even though he's unleashed some evil inside him he's still all about sportsmanship and he, he couldn't possibly blindside Jeez. the giant um, how bad was this? yeah it's Terrible. fucking pony absolutely pony he tells his ally macho man to just leave been slagging him off for not helping him exactly. slagged him off just earlier caught him a dog for not helping him yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now he's telling him to get out of the ring you can't please this man. He's clearly you can't please him. senile now, isn't he, Hulk? He must be. <laughs> no. He's all over the place. So Hogan and the Giant then begin to circle each other with Savage at a safe distance. Couldn't possibly take any of Hogan's glory away from him. <laughs> exactly. Couldn't possibly yeah. any insinuation that Hogan needed help. Get out of my spotlight. Go, yeah. shift, shift. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Hogan hits two right hands. The Giant no sells, no effect whatsoever. And the Giant gets him in a headlock, clubs him on the back and Hogan hits the deck but it's not for long though don't you worry because Hogan fires himself up he gets to his feet then he hits the giant with a few punches he staggers him the giant takes a step back he's getting a bit wobbly before Hogan bounces the giant's head off the turnbuckle and then the whole dungeon of doom they rush the ring this would have been a good time to bring out the insurance policy wouldn't it <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking not fucking the Meng who's, who's tarred himself with oh, this no, crock of shit and all the others the Brodiac um, <laughs> Hogan and Macho, they see off the entire dungeon while the giant is kind of reeling in the corner. And Hogan then goes and bounces him off another turnbuckle. An old man appears. <laughs> the old man, he's carrying some kind of fucking truncheon or like... What, yeah, it, what is it? They call it a billy club on, on commentary, yeah, but I don't know what a billy no, club is. So I'm going to say truncheon. <laughs> it's just some kind of truncheon. And uh, yeah, this man with his truncheon effectively restrains Hulk Hogan and, and Macho Man. This allows the giant to... To hightail out of there like the like the scalded dog that he is, as Jay, I would say. <laughs> and then you're thinking, it's all oh, over, man. At last, it's all over. It's done. We can we can we can move on with our lives. But then Bischoff, he he he, he dials the volume up to eleven. He tells us <laughs> there's a strange noise in the arena. The crowd gets up. Bischoff is shouting. The floor is shaking, guys. The floor is shaking. What are we going to do? Heenan says he's going to do one. And the camera then pans to the iceberg slash plastic box. <laughs> where some pyro goes off because icebergs, of course, famously are highly explosive, no. as we all know. <laughs> and then the, about four milliseconds, we see of the mummy-like creature inside. He bursts his oh, way out was... of the icebox. He bursts his way out of the iceberg. What the fuck is this? Terrible. You'd what expect, is this? You'd expect that on a ghost train, wouldn't you? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, 
like that's that's not scary that and not a good one yeah. <laughs> we've only seen before milliseconds of time it's shocking uh, Bischoff shout what the hell is that and then it goes and we cut we're off air how, how have they got confused with a, a, with a yeti and a mummy though <laughs> How's that like? No. I'm sure it had bandages, didn't it? There was something yeah, like, like, yeah, it yeah, looked like yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There was, there was no Sasquatch type figure in, no, inside that iceberg. Well, yeah, what an utterly, utterly abysmal way to send us home for Halloween havoc. I can't imagine the potential. All those sat on the bench. Should I buy this pay per view? Should I not buy this pay per view? Everyone has <laughs> come straight off the fence. No fucking chance. Jesus Christ. Right, well now we've had a few minutes to calm down after that lot. There's a lot to take in there. Let's try and pick through the bones and pull out our 23rd of October 1995 Monday Nitro Builders and Killers. I'll kick us off. Ratings Builder number one, Dean Malenko. I had no idea how good Dean Malenko really was. And he's like classy, you know, silky moves, plus the power he's able to put into his sort of strikes and throws. It's so impressive. More Malenko for me, Mr. B. Builder number two, Harlem Heat, and specifically their heelish interaction with the crowd, like I mentioned earlier. It's great, lovely stuff, especially when the camera's close and you've got the camera on the ring apron, you can hear it, brilliant. And builder number three, (laughs) Eddie Guerrero. The the more I see of him, the more I like him, and I like him a lot. And I think the fact that (laughs) I'll pull another one from that match says a lot about how hard I found pulling together builders for this lot this week. And on that note, Liam, what were your... Nitro ratings builders. Okay, so builder number one, I've gone for similar to you, Steve, but I'm going to c- combine them. I'm going to go uh, Malenko, Guerrero, Benoit, even even um, Mr. JL, to be fair. Um, yeah. Love that uh, high flying stuff, technically good, loads of athleticism, loads of pop from the crowd, more of that, less of the panto shenanigans. <laughs> um, builder number two, again, I'll. I've copied you here, but I've I have done notes. I'm not just I I didn't give up and just carry on. But uh, Harlem Heat, great as a heel yeah. as a heel tag team, brilliant. And again, yeah. the athleticism both were superb. Um, yeah. Really enjoyed that. Um, and then builder number three, I've gone for that. We we didn't get an appearance from Disco Inferno this week. So <gasps> great shout! That was absolutely great shout. That Paul. was a sh- that was a shining light for me. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's true. That's a true. shining disco light. Fantastic. You'd have took him though, wouldn't you? Yeah, uh, probably. <laughs> You'd have took him if he'd have interrupted. Over the, the yet, over the yeti, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing stuff. Jim, what were your nitro ratings builders? Kicking off builder number one. I've combined all three, much like Liam, the Guerrero, Benoit, Malenko, on the appreciation of good wrestling is what I've, uh, what I've dubbed this builder. So we're in safe hands whenever these guys are in the ring. It's uh, it's pleasing to see them given a prominent slot on the card because, of course, they had the, the longest match of the night. Um, builder number two is the the prospect of the mouth-watering prospect of uh, the Eddie Guerrero, Brian Pillman fuse. I've got high hopes for it, as you can probably tell. Even though I don't like how they were kind of up, we were we were given no explanation or offered no reason as to why Pillman's attacking Guerrero and the ridiculous timing of it all. But nevertheless, <laughs> the prospect of this over the coming weeks is something I'm excited about, yeah. and I was really, really struggling, even more so than Raw this time. So I'll go build it number three. I've been asking for it, so I feel compelled to include it, even though I absolutely hated what went on. Um, 
the fact that we went off air with some action as opposed to some talking. The action was fucking horrendous. Classic, <laughs> <laughs> be careful what you wish for type <laughs> moment. But, but, that is not what you had in mind. <laughs> but, but at least they tried something yeah. different. So Fair enough. Over to the ratings, killers. I'll kick us off again. So killer number one, macho man in the ring. It pains me to say this as I have a real soft spot for him, as I mentioned earlier, but... That was my, I was one. <laughs> I've tried to avoid the obvious here because I know you guys okay, are going to okay, absolutely cream it. So I've tried to just because uh, let, let's be honest, we can we can wrap this up by just saying the Dungeon of Doom and the Yeti. <laughs> I forgot he was on the show <laughs> until he came back at the end. <laughs> but this this just shows Jim how 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 sad it made me to see Macho. Clearly, you know, we've jumped the shark with it, haven't we, with this stuff, which is just so sad. I was disappointed with the Kurosawa macho match. Kurosawa, I thought, had some, you know, we, we've seen him a couple of times now, and he's got the potential there to be this kind of, you know, brutish bruiser heel. But this match, they both looked weak and crap. It was, uh, it was really good. Killer number two, <laughs> Hogan and Giant, but not just Hogan and Giant. I'll try to be more specific to give you guys some scope to talk. They gave us a taste of what to expect the Halloween Havoc in terms of in-ring action. And it is not appetising. Their like exchange of blows looked like a piss take after seeing Eddie and the gang doing their tag team wrestling clinic. Useless. While we're on the topic, right? Are we going to see next week? Are we going to see Giant in like race overalls and a helmet? Because that'll that'll kill the kind of V five four form gimmick, won't it? That won't it's work. Bob Holly get up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Ludicrous. And killer number three, Lex Luger. Liam, what were your ratings, killers? <laughs> killer number one, without doubt is the insurance policy. Um, <laughs> I, I don't get it. I still don't get it. I don't know why it was relevant. We've we fully established this This absolute monster, the giant, does not need any backup whatsoever. No. Um, massive waste of time. Fill, fill, fill your wrestling show with wrestling. You know, it's yeah. obvious. Uh, killer number two, Hogan promo. Um, I mean, at one point, he said he's going to drag the giant around until he disintegrates. <laughs> <laughs> I've just, I've just, it's just verbal diarrhea, isn't it? It's just, it is. Um, and killer number three. Uh, I've mentioned the the Scott Norton and the shark interruption. I did, again, I didn't get that either. That could have been that could have been weeks of the making. That you could have like I'm with you, Jim. And when you mentioned Scott Norton, I think he's pretty good to be as a heel. You could have pushed him a, a lot more, um, yeah. and not just have like a thirty second clip in the middle of the best match. Um, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> that that was my killer number three. Perfect stuff. Jim, over to you. What were your ratings killers? Uh, killer number one is insanity has prevailed. So we've, <laughs> we've, as, as Liam's quite rightly mentioned, we've got the insurance policy, we've got the Yeti, we've got the Taskmaster's dad. But last, <laughs> last week... Fucking hell. Oh, I forgot to mention show, yeah. <laughs> Last week, Dykstra absolutely nailed it. Great show. Oh. None of this fucking garbage or, or very, very limited amount of this garbage. And we get a great programme. So what do they do? What do Bish and the boys do? They bring it back, they amp it up, and we end up with a fucking steaming hot dog turd of a show. <laughs> um, killer number two is expertly organised chaos. So it's the go-home show, Halloween Havoc. Where the fuck was Ric Flair? Where was Art yeah, Anderson? Yeah. Where was DDP? We started two new feuds, but a few days out from a pay-per-view with Pillman and Guerrero and Norton and the Shark. Um, 
Luger and Sting are pairing up when it's Luger and Macho Man who are going to meet at the pay-per-view and why is Sting involved? Sting's already got a tag match with somebody else. Uh, no mention of Sting involved. In, Sting's actual tag match didn't even get mentioned. The no. one he's in with Flair and uh, uh, Arn Anderson and Pillman. What are Benoit Guerrero and Malenko doing at the pay-per-view? Don't know. It's just everything is just fucking all over the place. Absolute yeah. chaos. Um, and killer number three, this is going to be contrasts to uh, both of you guys and what you said. Blimey. Harlem Heat. <gasps> Killer number three. What? Nowhere near as egregious as the first two. They're a long way back. There's a big gap between <laughs> Killers uh, one, two, and three. But I thought I thought the match was garbage. The finish of it was 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 uh, yeah shit. Uh, it didn't make any sense. They sorted out of the ring without selling the idea that there was any imminent danger. The you know inclusion of Sherry is is pointless. Yeah, the match fair. is kind of she's just there she doesn't do anything doesn't interfere she's just looking at polaroids or somebody else the match is kind of plodding laborious but um, yeah just I don't know I'm just not not really feeling them Again, it is time for the big reveal, the point of the pod. We are going to reveal the golden envelope to see which show went over in the Nielsen ratings on the 23rd of October, 1995. But first, which show did we think should have won the ratings battle that week? Let's start with you, Jim. Which one takes it for you in this week of weeks? My uh, my verdict, uh, Raw, was utter shite, but it was still... By a country mile, the best show of the two. Uh, really disappointed in Nitro after their solid show in last week. Where we've absolutely no bullshit then. They just tore that standard down, ripped it up, set it on fire, chopped up the burned remnants with an axe and then pissed all <laughs> over the pieces. Absolutely brutal. Incredible. Liam, which one should have won in your eyes? It's like asking if, if I'd rather be shot or stabbed this. <laughs> um, I mean, Raw, uh, Raw was terrible. Raw was, I, I think that's two two in a row now for Raw. Yeah. After a strong yeah, start, agreed. it's, um, yeah, it was it was an absolute drivel Raw. But after 10 minutes of Nitro, I could have stopped that programme and I could have safely said that Raw was going to be loads better. So <laughs> I'm with Jimmy, it, it's got to be Raw, surely. Fair enough, the pair of you. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna book the trend, and I'll tell you why. Uh, as ludicrous as Nitro was, it at least wasn't boring. You think of art, right? Art, it's supposed to evoke a reaction in it, right? That's supposedly if it can if it can evoke a reaction, it's done its job, good or bad. It's 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 got a response, right? Nitro did that. It was fucking appalling. Raw was just boring, like Battle Royale, boring. Avatar. Boring and botchy. Right, now it's time for the actual reveal. The golden envelope. Here you go, lads. <clears throat> so from Monday the 23rd of October, 1995. The Nielsen ratings are thus. Raw, 2.2. Nitro, 2.6. Nitro wow. has taken wow. it this week. Battered him. With Can't that pile that. of... Cobblers. Well, this has, got to be a, this has got to have a negative effect in the long term, hasn't it? Because if, to, if, if yeah, the majority sure. of wrestling fans have I'm seen the show, are going to be like, right, I'm fucking watching that again, Addy. So that <laughs> I can expect a few wins for Raw in the next coming weeks, I think. 
based on that. I think you're yeah. right. I think you're right. And I think, Liam, you're right. I think Raw has had a, a few real bum weeks. I think it is due a uh, a bit of a, a rebound, where I can only see Nitro going one way from here at the moment. We'll find out. We'll find out at Halloween Havoc. We will find out at Halloween Havoc with a Halloween Havoc special coming up next. What will the Yeti be? Let's. <laughs> well, a mummy. We know that now, but we're not entirely sure if we think. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at TMN Scores. And please do like, share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And please do leave us a review if you're enjoying this absolute abject comedy. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, this has been the Monday Night Scores. Scores.